201 of the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. If you missed our uh, big 200th episode, go listen to it. It was great last week. It was yeah. a great episode. We had a bunch of guests on. It was a lot of fun. We got to revisit with people we haven't talked to in a long time. Mm-hmm. So it was a good episode. Go back and give that a holler. Also, uh, I apologize those two episodes didn't come out until like two days ago. Uh, Sickness Our, our, our family has been dying, dying over here. I, uh, I got the flu for the very first time in my entire life, and it just made me tired. I was just tired. I slept for like five days. But you also had chills and the hot flashes. And slept. And, yeah, but you slept a lot. I woke up at 7.30 p.m. one day. I woke up to feed you and give you medicine. Like, I would wake you up to do that, and that was it. So, but I'm alive now. And uh, Katie's going to be trying not to uh, cough your ears off all night. She's making there. a fun drinking game, but I, I'm afraid somebody No, don't, don't drink so whenever don't she coughs. Uh, you'll die. I, I, I cannot. Uh, I have not stopped coughing since I got home from school that. today. All right, let's uh, let's do our sponsor stuff real quick. I'll I'll go ahead and read it for you so you don't That'd die over here. Little Shop of Horrors is a small feeder and pet supplies business based in San Antonio. They regularly schedule feeder meetups around San Antonio as well as other neighboring towns and cities. They offer shipping on their feeder insects, isopods, and are working on starting shipping on their feeder rodents too. All feeders are raised on a nutritional diet that optimizes the health and reptiles and amphibians that consume them. Go give a shout out to our buddy Lewis over at Lil's, L-I-L apostrophe S, Shop of Horrors for all your feeder needs. Also, let's go with Herp Shows. Herps, our next Herp Show is February 24th, 25th, end of the month. We will not be able to go to that because we have a concert on the 25th. What? February 25th. Um, I got a, a concert. We may have to come back early then. Are we going to that one? We'll see. Are you going to go see Sea Turtles? We'll see. I don't know, because we just found out about that concert today. We'll see. Anyways, Corpus Christi is February 24th, 25th. Baton Rouge, Louisiana is March 2nd and March 3rd. Bryan College Station is March 9th and March 10th. Then our new home show in Rosenberg, Texas, which is basically Sugarland, is March 16th and March 17th. Slidell, Louisiana, April 6th and 7th. Austin, Texas, April 20th and April 21st. West Monroe, Louisiana, May 4th and May 5th. And still over in Louisiana for Lake Charles, June 1st and June 2nd, which we will probably be at. That'll be like our first show once our summer vacation starts. Mm-hmm. So we'll probably be at that one. Yeah. Make it a summer vacation trip. And that's not far either. A sad summer vacation trip to Lake, Lake Charles. Charles. <laughs> oh, God. Anyways, if you're there, come come to the show. Uh, if you're thinking about vacationing there, don't. Don't. As someone that lived in Louisiana, it is uh, – I'm very upset that is the first thing people see when they come in. It's, it's just nothing but oil refineries. So, But there will be a great reptile show there June 1st and June 2nd. Come by and see us. All right. Uh, VivTech products. If you want to get an LED UVB light bulb that runs forever, it runs forever. At some point, I will have to buy new ones. But – not anytime soon. Use code GUMBO22 to save 15% on your LED UVB bulbs from VivTech or any other VivTech products. They have halogen bulbs you can get if you want to get some halogen bulbs. Uh, I don't know who that is that commented there. I think it might be your dad. It could be my dad. I don't know. Darren's watching. Darren's, Darren's a great fan. That's what I was about to say. Um, also, VivTech has all the smart devices. Check out VivTech. Uh, I haven't given a shout out to our friends over at Focus Cube. They're the ones that made this amazing sign behind us. Uh, if you need a 
great like did you want a cage for the living room so when people walk in they go holy crap check out uh focus cubed and get you an amazing cage from them I'm missing anybody i don't think i'm missing anybody oh that was chris eaton oh fuck chris eaton <laughs> uh anyways Oh, bah, 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 bah. I think that's it. Nothing else. Oh, we do. We are going to do our giveaway for January at the uh, end of the show. We also will talk about a few things. Uh, the NARBC Dallas show. We'll talk about that later in the show. That's an mm. uh, interesting thing that came out today. And we'll talk about some uh, U.S. ARC stuff. Colorado is fucked if things happen there. Uh, so we'll talk about that stuff later as well. Let's go ahead. Katie's going to die over here at some point. If anybody's watching live, you can just watch it. She's not suffocating herself with the towel. Oh, God. Um, I'm trying to muffle the cough. But, but that she, was one. So if you are drinking, that's one shot down. But if she does pass out, she'll wake back up, guys. It's fine. Oh, my God. All right. Let's get to our guest tonight. I can't take any more cough medicine. I've hit my limit. <laughs> so this guest, Katie, has been... This is why she's. This is why I'm still here because I wanted her on the podcast for so long. She's been wanting this guest for a while, and we finally got it set up, and we we got her on here, and now Katie's dying. Yeah, it's okay. I'm here. Our guest tonight. We've had her on before. We had her on at a Conroe Mm -hmm. for a little tiny bit, and and we talked birdies then. Yeah. But our guest tonight is Hayden Lee. How's it going, Hayden? Hey, how are you guys? Well, we weren't sick. You could totally be here in studio with us. (laughs) That is true. Yeah, Hayden was going to come. like, Hayden's coming to the house Tuesday. I'm like, you need to let her know that the flu is in this household and she may not want to be here. Yeah, that's true. And he was like, I appreciate that because I, yeah, no, I. Like, nobody wants that. Nobody. If somebody's going to catch something, it's me. Yeah. Um, So I. Thank you. Well, there's four of us in the house currently and we all have gotten something. So, yeah. Something, yeah. I will say, though, we definitely have had the worst out of everybody. Yeah. The other two, like, quarantined upstairs, and we just kind of lived down The two people who actually have to take care of the rest of everything that's happening. Yeah. Yes. I missed yeah. three days of work last week. If and for mom, anybody that knows me, I don't ever miss work, so it was yeah. very weird missing three days of work in a row. If my mom wouldn't have been in, town, in from out of town, Joe wouldn't have gotten to school. Like, oh. I don't, like, if it wasn't for my mom, I don't know how my kid would have made it where she needed to be. You're like Uber. So have you seen the commercials recently for like the Uber teen? And I was like, that just doesn't seem like a good idea. But I guess in this particular instance. I mean, yeah, I've you can track them the whole way there. So so Darren says, hello, Hayden. Darren's one of our listeners. He's awesome. Hey, how are you? Darren's the only person I'm going to point out again. He's the only person oh I know gosh. that owns two snakes. Two. Uh, it's so I tell people at the pet store all the time. I'm like, it kind of is like potato chips. You have one and then you have 10. Yeah. No, Darren owns Darren two and two. he's owned two for years. But you know what? If they're the best cared for two snakes, then well, you know? I'm sure they're amazing cared for, but one's a yeah. ball python. So just saying. I've got like five of those now. So be careful. Uh, I've got some too. And I'm still going to make fun of them. Oh, does that cough? Does that count as a cough? Are we no, you didn't drink? almost die. We're not. So it's only no. when I have to use no. the towel. That's when we're yeah, counting when, for when, when you have to throw the towel so in. only one shot so far, folks. <laughs> hey, <laughs> listen, if you can make it a drinking game, then at least the rest of us will be having fun. It's not a drinking game as much as she's trying yes. to commit murder through the radio. Oh, probably uh, don't drink. It's probably it's a good cough. Alcohol poisoning. <laughs> See that? There you go. That That's number two. Number. You're not supposed to make fun of your wife. I don't. Well, I guess Who's, you know what. I don't says, know what a healthy marriage looks like. So maybe you are supposed to. Make I, I remember shortly after she joined the podcast, there was a listener that left a review that my favorite. 
that said that I shouldn't make fun of my wife. You should and it was, respect I should me respect more, my wife more. It was beautiful. Fuck that. I'm making fun of my that wife. Shit and put it on the wall. I'm just here for Katie, so sorry. None most of people, Katie. most people are. It's cool. None of y'all have to live here and deal with this, so I get to make fun of her. You love me. I didn't say I didn't love you. <laughs> you wouldn't know what to do without her. <laughs> yeah, I would You'd have peace calmer. of mind. I don't know. <laughs> I would fall. His world would you know be what? a lot calmer. When I'm talking to people that I'm like potentially thinking about dating, I'm always like, listen, I can't promise a lot of things, but I can promise that your life will never be boring. That is a fact. That is true. <laughs> it's a fact. I love, how that's, I love how women say that, but it's never followed up. It will never be boring and always good. I it just, like our life it just will never be boring. Good. It's just like implied. Good. It's it's implied, right? Like Mm. Look, we're going on on 19 years. Time together, for a new one. So uh, it's, we're, we're doing all right. Good luck with that. I'm too lazy to find a new one. Yeah, well, it's okay if you if it seals the deal in your marriage. I can tell you that online dating is absolutely the worst thing I've ever done in my whole life. Oh yeah, life, I could not so. imagine oh, wow. having to actually date because we've been together yeah. since college. Her freshman year of college, my yeah. sophomore year of college. Oh, so I've it's... never had to like try and date somebody. Uh-uh. No, dating is um, horrible, and it's also worse if you have to be like, and by the way, I have a room full of snakes and also a hawk and three macaws. <laughs> the hawk should definitely – right, the macaw was cool, the macaw scare people off. But and the, the hawk. sun conure could be a mood killer. Yeah, I, I mean, could you just imagine you're in the mood and all of a sudden that thing just starts screaming in the, in the other room? Yeah, it's done. I thought I be was being cool. like really cheeky and um, – my tattoo artist, Brandon Ricks, Whiteheart, we're real good friends. He actually did all of my reptile photos that I've posted, like the professional ones. He um, he and I were messaging back and forth because his bir- his wife just got her first bird. And he was like, dude, it's so loud. Like, I hate it. I hate this bird. And I was like, listen, like, you know what makes one bird better? A second bird. That's not and true at all. He, he was like... Um, absolutely not. So like, I'm like taking a screenshot. I sent it to this guy that I'm talking to and he's like, man, that sounds horrible. I don't know who would want birds. And I was like, <laughs> "Uh Oh, all right. Well, never mind. Moving yeah. On. It was like, you just told on yourself. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's funny. Uh, there's a, a newish podcast. It's, um, I feel bad cause they listen and, and they've been on here and I can't remember the name of the podcast. It's two girls. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The first episode was our one of the first episodes was talking about like trying Talks to date how how to date when you're with in the reptiles. reptiles yeah and they and they talked about like not telling people and like like holding mm-hmm. out until they get to know you and I'm like no fuck that they got to know right away like yeah. someone needs I can't they can't find out later uh, for me like that's something that I really struggled with like pre falconry even was how do you break it to somebody that your whole life revolves around this like all-consuming hobby, right? And um, I finally was like, you know what? I'm not even going to try to hide it. Like, there's not a point because ultimately, like, I'm going to waste like two to three hours of my life going on dates with people, and they'd be like, "Hey, do you like snakes?" And they're like, "No." Okay, well, I didn't. I, you know what? I, I would not even did. walk in the room. With but them. I, but I didn't tell you I didn't have them. Like no. there wasn't. I didn't yeah, hide no, that. No. Like you knew I had them from the get go. You just didn't want anything to do with them, which is definitely different than hiding them, I think. Yeah. So, like, but it's funny because I've now that I've been working at the pet store, there was a customer that came in and it was a, a lady and her son. And her son really wanted a snake. And she, she was like, I just hate snakes. Like, I don't want to have to touch it. 
I don't want to look at it, like any of these things. Well, she brings it in actually this past weekend to buy food for it. And she's like, okay, you were right. I still don't want to touch it, but it's really fun to watch. And <laughs> I'm kind of considering letting him get a second one. And I was like, I told you, you get really attached. Like, even if you don't know it, I think it's really hard not to if something's like living in your house. Mm-hmm. The little freeloaders, like they. Just well, once you learn their personality, you and get attached. I'd say, Hayden, you could date people in the reptile hobby, but I've met people in the reptile hobby. <laughs> They're don't fucking do weird. Don't do that either. Don't do that. I honestly, so like, I can't. This sounds so mean. I can't honestly think of anybody in the reptile hobby that I would really want to date. Um, I feel like the problem is you end up dating somebody in the reptile, and then you both like you judge each other's keeping as as a reptile honestly, keeper. I think that my bigger fear with dating people in the reptile hobby, and this is going to sound horrible, is like if it doesn't work. Oh, yeah. And we all know the same people and I have to see you forever for the rest of my life. Meh, I can get that. Like, and there have been people that I'm like, oh, they're really cute. And then I realize that we have mutual friends. And I'm like, mm. people are going to keep me and they're going to kick James to the curb if we ever don't make it. Uh, with all those reptiles you have? Your parents said they would keep me. Yeah, they lied to you about that stuff. Yeah. They're my parents. I, I don't think you. they lied. To I her. have Joe. Joe's in my I like pocket. how you believe then. I talk oh, to I, my parents. I believe that. I believe it. My parents are picking me no matter what. Whatever. I mean, and Joe will listen, come. Look, I, whatever. 50% of Joe is mine, so I still get 50% of the time with her. There is at least a 50% chance that three of my exes are people that my mom would have picked over me. That's I mean, it certainly would have been the cheaper option, right? Like, (laughs) it was funny because, and I I feel like I've said this on like several like public forums, but when I got into reptiles, my mom was like, I actually was going through a really bad breakup. And I was like, I just, I've worked with all of these different animals. I don't know what, like, I'm bored. I just need like an outlet for all of this like emotional energy. I want to get a bearded dragon. My mom was like, listen, I've let you have everything you've ever wanted. I was like probably 17 at the time. I've let you have everything you've ever wanted. I do not want scaly things in my house. So we compromised and we got the bearded dragon. I'm an only child, by the way, if that wasn't obvious. (laughs) We compromised and did what I wanted. Compromised and got what I wanted. We compromised and we got the bearded dragon. The bearded dragon became her like best friend in the whole world. We went from the bearded dragon to a green iguana to like all of these different lizards we got our first like snake and i had had a snake growing up um my brother passed away a few months ago and it's funny because like one of the first snake memories that i had you can't follow my brother passed away a few months ago with the very next sentence it's funny it's (laughs) phrasing is important and that you got to put some space there fill it in with something else you know what i I like to think positively because he is... All right, Paul, no dirty old men stuff. Stop it. <laughs> Listen, I'm a falconer. I'm used to dirty old men. Paul it's wants fine. you to come. He's, he's offering to let you come play with his snake. You know, people try that on Tinder, too. They're like, I've got a snake you can play with. And I'm like, yeah, you're really original. So original. Yours is bigger than theirs. <laughs> I, I'm like, you Sorry. know what? If you can play with any of my snakes, we'll talk about it. Yes. Um, All right. Sorry. 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 I ruined your story. Fifteen <laughs> minutes in, and I've already almost. By the way, that's 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 the third cough. If anybody's uh, still thinking about one drink, so bad cough. It folks. is funny because 
I think the memory that I hold on to the most with him is that like my first interaction with a snake using a like makeshift snake hook was this red tailed boa that my brother had that got out of its cage. We finally found it. I ended up having to like wrangle it because it was the meanest red tailed boa. It's probably why I don't like boas to this day. I fucking love boas. I am not a boa person, and I think it's because that snake was the meanest bitch I've ever met. Oh, I've got some of those, but I still love yeah. them. Yeah, I, I like like I don't like refuse to touch them or anything. But boas are something that I don't keep at all. Uh, but you I don't know pythons, boo. Hey, listen, if it were up to me, if I didn't have to worry about the whole like maybe dying thing, I would probably have mostly venomous again. I mean, just, I mean, if you don't have free handle and venomous, you're doing it wrong. Oh you know, God, that's, that's what the internet has taught me. If you're not willing it's, to grab them by the hand and just hold them. Any. and Is that it? Huh? That's it. That's why we don't have any. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. Oh, okay. Cause I don't want to do it wrong. Oh, you won't let me well, free handle Katie. Nope. I won't. I'm such a, you gotta let me be me. Such a horrible person. You gotta let There's me. There's a lot of ways to do it wrong. Like you can do everything right and still do it wrong. <laughs> Uh, I'm pretty sure booping the snoot of any venomous snake you own is the proper way to take care of oh them. Oh, my God. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, if you aren't doing, like, some risky behavior on Facebook Live for views, then, like, what's the point in yeah, having if, them? If you're not, like, staring right at the camera, talking just to the camera while an extremely venomous snake is three inches away from you and you're not paying attention to it, then what the fuck are you doing? We don't milk <laughs> venomous snakes on Live for views. <laughs> um. Anyway, so we still got away from here. So yeah, boas. You uh, you should definitely like boas, and you're wrong. I I probably am wrong. I've been known to do that, but you'd find better men if you would keep boas. Dang. (laughs) She doesn't know. Okay, it could be true. Y'all don't know. She hasn't found a great guy yet, and she doesn't have boas. So I mean, James does have boas. Causation, correlation. Here we go. I mean, (laughs) okay. Fair point. Listen. You know what? If there's any boa keepers that want to prove me wrong, cheers to you. I mean, look, because if we're talking about pythons, that leads you to people like Paul. Uh, so I'm just saying. Definitely, like, listen. I'm not saying the ball keeper, ball, ball keepers. Ball, ball, those damn ball keepers. keepers. Ball keepers in general, your guys are out. Sorry. It's uh, me and Katie now forever. Yep. Yes. Yeah. You haven't dealt with her, I'm telling you right now. She seems great on the outside until you get to know her. Boy, I, shut up. I'm pretty high maintenance. I don't know. Like, that's one thing I will say. I'm Katie's, extre- Katie's not extreme. She's not high maintenance because I would never. I'm just extra. That's all. If you were high maintenance, I wouldn't put up with you. I'm not high maintenance. It'd, it'd I don't over. think I'm high maintenance, though, in the people in the way that people think women are high maintenance. I'm high maintenance in the like, I actually canceled the date to go hunt my bird. Yeah, I wore like mascara at a school the other day, and my fourth graders lost their minds because I had on makeup. They're like, you have on makeup. I'm like, I literally put mascara on so I didn't look like I was dying. But, like, mascara is a big deal in fourth grade. Like, I feel like that was, like, the first makeup I was allowed to wear. And they don't correlate that, like, you were once their age. Yeah, I'm probably the only teacher that doesn't wear makeup, too. Yeah, that's probably true. Because I don't. Okay. Let's, Anyways. Let's get to birds. <laughs> People, birds. people are here to learn about birds and not yeah. the dumb birds, but the cool birds. The cool birds. The cool birds. Because you have, I didn't realize you had as many birds as you had. Yeah, so we're going to talk to her about I the thought, cool birds, not the dumb birds. I know, but I thought hey. you only did the hawk stuff. Cool birds. So it's kind of funny because I would not do birds if it weren't for reptiles. Technically, birds um, are reptiles. 
birds are actually, and like this is gonna like really piss in some people's Cheerios, but if you want to talk about keeping dinosaurs, yeah, birds are literally like the closest thing. I mean, chickens, man, like look at a chicken; it's basically a T Rex. Well, they evolved from dinosaurs. So, uh, what was the first bird you had? So, funny enough, I'm currently working at Pets Plenty. Um, and by the way, like my catchphrase is funny enough. It might be inappropriate but, at times. But is it funny enough? Oh my it, I don't know. We're about to find out. Okay. So I was, I've been really good, like friends with the owner of Pets Plenty and Andy at Pets Plenty, who's the general manager. And they had a McCall who lived there um, that was given to them by a customer. And she hates everybody. So I, of course, took that as a challenge. And I was like, I'm going to make this bird my best friend. So I would go in every day and I would, well, every day that I went up there and I would give her food and all of these things. And like, they all loved her, but she couldn't be out when the store was open because she bit people and they didn't have time to like, just sit and play with her besides. So she finally decided, Hey, like, um, okay, I guess if you bring me like cool snacks, like we can be friendly. And Eric was like, listen, you bribed um, her. Grabs her for her love. Pretty much, which is like, honestly, what I'm finding is like food is the way to people and animals' hearts. Um, so Eric was like, you know what? Just like take her home. And if she does really well, you can keep her as long as if there's ever a reason you can't keep her, you bring her back to the store. And I was like, okay. So I brought her home. My mom was so pissed. She was like, what are we going to do if we get this giant bird in our house and it wants to attack us? Valid and- point. It's screaming all the time. So she ended up, her name is Bird Dog. Bird Dog did really, really well. Um, I went out of town for a falconry trip because I got into, this was my first year of falconry. It was the first year of COVID. And I went out of town for like a week. And when I came home, that bird and my mom were the best of friends. The bird <laughs> hated me. You abandoned um, her. That's why. I abandoned her. So now to this day, she actually lets me hold her now after like almost four years. Um, but she'll still bite me. In birds fact, are I did more a, judgmental than cats. Fuck birds. Birds are one people animal usually. You can occasionally get a bird that's like, I just want attention. I don't care who it's from. But they usually have like one person that they really want. So bird dog was our first bird, and she was like jumping in like head first. Like we went from like being sober straight to heroin like yeah you didn't was, like get like let's get like a uh little parakeet a quaker or yeah you went so straight i actually gold McCall. i had a derby and parakeet very first but Fuck like, that parakeets bite hard so these are big parakeets these are like indian ringneck size parakeets oh, wow um but they are very very independent so i did not um necessarily like it, it i didn't have the relationship that i have it with my macaws. So from there, I got into falconry. And I will say this, if I had to pick between raptors and macaws, it would be really hard for me. Oh, not really? even close for me. Fuck that. It would be really hard. What? Give me the dinosaurs any day. But they're I don't both... need yappy ass colorful birds telling me that they don't like me and then they bite my fingers off. I don't not doing it. Okay, so, okay, hold on. So how many macaws do you currently have? So I've got three species of macaws. I've got a military, a blue and gold, and a harlequin macaw. The harlequin is my baby. He's a hybrid. So it's a green wing, blue and gold hybrid. Um, 
My personal opinion is that hybrid macaws are like, I actually told you guys this before the podcast. It's like taking two species of birds and taking their worst qualities and putting it in one bird. And then like you occasionally get the good side, but I've never met one that was like completely mentally stable. Um, It's kind of cool looking. I do want to say Chris Dieter says he has questions. And before we do, Chris Dieter, if your question is, does she have Komodo dragons? No, you have Komodo dragons. Two of them, in case anybody's wondering. Hayden does we not. We can be friends. I'm James James keeps bugging me. If we, if we would get healthy, we could go visit with Chris Dieter. But we I would like to go first. visit with Chris Dieter and his Komodo dragons. <laughs> yeah, two of them. Two, two Komodo dragons, in case anybody. We got to get healthy before we two. can do experiences. I'm like, so three yeah, no, I think I'm going to need to invite myself for that because... That's not the see that but to me that's not the cool thing. He's got a room full of Chinese alligators. Y'all are leaving y'all are leaving out the coolest part. You yeah, you buried that the no there. one will steal for you. Just just throw one in a purse. Nobody Dieter loves will you, never Jay. notice a baby Chinese I am alligator not missing. Stealing a Chinese alligator. I'm not it, de- it depends on how many Chinese alligators a person has. Because like if you only have three, you're gonna notice Oh, he does not only have three. Oh, he doesn't. <laughs> oh, hey. Somehow he's like the lucky one who can get him to breed and yeah, he found Do the you breed like always. <laughs> oh, his, oh, his son, his son wants, wants to start to falconry. falconry. Oh, yeah. How we'll, old is, we'll get so you guys. How old is your son? Yeah, how old is the son, Chris? Isn't he like in his teens I'm now? Not, I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm not trying to like hook myself up, but. Calm falconry. down, Hayden. No, no, no. no Calm yeah, down. Right. No, so the man's just fal- looking for help. In Texas, at least, and I think it is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's nationwide. Um, oh, that's four times, by the way, Casey May is counting. Take a shot. Katie just coughed for the fourth. Okay, time. so perfect. So um, you can start falconry in the United States at 12. Oh, there you oh, go. See, he'll be 13 on his birthday. Yeah. I totally so thought he that, was older than our kid. So that actually works really well. Um, and I welcome, like, if you guys are interested in falconry, even if I'm not close, I'm in the Houston area, but. Even if I'm not close, I kind of know falconers all over the state, and I'm happy like if you message me to get you in touch with our apprentice coordinators here in Texas. If you're out of the state, um, we do have a national club. Certain states have their own clubs, and I can at least get you like website links and things like that. And um, yes, so technically anybody can take an apprentice as long as they are a general falconer of at least two years. So I actually just hit my two-year mark, and I'm thinking about taking my first apprentice. My sponsor and I are like... I'm just saying, Hayden, the kid whose dad owns Crocodile Encounters is probably your best apprentice. Just going to say that might actually be a thing. Because he's got Komodo dragons. Yeah, I'm like, hey, can we trade Komodo dragons for an apprenticeship? <laughs> okay, I don't think he's doing that. But if you can no, get if you can get not. a Chinese alligator out of it... No! What? I don't have a place to put a Chinese alligator... I'm at least uh, I'm at least realistic. Two, 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 he's got two, he's got two, two Komodo, Komodo dragons. dragons. That's yeah. like he's that's proud of these flex. things. I was about to say it's his flex. He's like I don't have just one. Yeah, it's just two. When two. I tell you the look on James Lewis's face when he found out that Chris had two Komodo dragons. No, no, no. The Komodos aren't the thing. The Komodos. It's the room full of Chinese alligators that oh, y'all yeah. are leaving out. That was a great moment. Watching like watching you walk into that room was probably it's as cool entire, as me being up close. It's to an entire Carol. room of the one reptile I would give up every reptile for. It's great. So it the great. question is, if you could only have one reptile, but you could have any reptile in the world. Chinese, Chinese alligator. Chinese alligators. 100%. Immediately. 
I was hyperfixation. Yeah. Now but we it's know. been that way for years. I've worked with them. I love them. They we are had one amazing. At the zoo that we worked with, and he was amazing. Um, so I actually went to Crocodile Encounter. Oh, years ago, years don't, ago. Don't say anything negative right now. Hey. Be, no, no, no. It was great. Um, I just don't say anything negative right it now. May, okay. Was it before Chris's time? Or it's all Chris's it's time. It's always been Chris's time. I, honestly, I don't know my history of Croc Encounter. I honestly don't even remember how many years ago it was, but I'm pretty sure I have a picture holding like a little baby alligator or crocodile or something they somewhere. They have those. They do have those. They have those. Yeah. Um, it's fine, Chris. What we're gonna do is we'll make we'll make Hayden thing. come with us to Croc Encounter, and then you can hit her with all your falconry questions, and she's yeah. trapped there. We'll make sure. Well, and if you ever want to go hunting, just reach out to me. Um, <laughs> 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 Got to be careful how you say that because that could be really misinterpreted. Whoa! Um, yeah. Whoa! This just took a turn. By the way, that's five times. That's five shots for anybody that's keeping up with how often Katie calls. Uh, you I may don't be, have alcohol, but I have espresso. Five shots. You may be starting to feel it now. Just a heads oh up. My God. Don't do it. You'll die. <laughs> don't do it. This is going to go really terribly um, wrong. So, yes, I'm happy to take people out. Um, I My bird is actually really good with strangers, and I have to credit the Herp shows to that. In yeah. fact, I was – so after four years with this bird – this is the first year that I've really that been like. That bird's name okay. is Goose, by the way. Hey, you yeah. It's Goose. He's he not, but not own, after Top Gun. He has his own following. I'm just gonna throw that out he there. He is a really good bird. He, and th that's kind of why I think I've kept him so long. Is he does everything that I want him to do, ninety percent of the time, and he's just such a good squirrel hawk. He can. The dude is awesome. He's a. He's a big male. Um, but so typically with squirrel hawks, people want females. That tends to be like the general. Because um, they're like bigger, right? Females are bigger? Yeah. Whoa, females are bigger. Seriously? Typically. Oh, yeah. God, he's huge. So goose is what we call a tweener. Um, he's in between male and female weight. So I did have him DNA sexed, and he is for sure a male. Um, so I've gotten really attached to him, obviously. He was my first bird. This was the first year that I was like okay, I might have to start thinking about like, am I going to release you? Um, and I was, I just told James and Katie, I'm finally off one day of the weekend and a huge like conversation that I had. So like my sponsor and I are still like best friends. I love her to death. She taught me pretty much everything I know. And I can't say thank you enough. Okay. So Asia, so, if you're watching this, thank you. I do want to, I want to, I want to pause. I don't, I don't want to ruin your story. But I am with, I want to answer some of Chris's questions, but I want to do that in, I want to explain the process you have to take from start to where you are now to get into this. If someone wants to get into this, because I think okay. a lot of people see that and they don't understand that there is, there is quite a process and it is, it's an odd process to me. And I think to anybody <laughs> who doesn't, who's not in Falconry, that hope the whole process of getting into it and doing it is odd. So, Okay. Well, then we'll come back to um, releasing Goose. But, oh, hold on. I'm so sorry. My computer is going bonkers because I'm getting messages. Anyway, so to start, um, I actually knew several falconers um, from reptiles. So Tyler Sladen, um, Corey Rolke, 
they're all falconers that also happen to be reptile people. Um, yes, Chris, we'll get to that. That's the weird part. Yeah, this is where you and I are going to have an argument about um, how it's not kidnapping. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, it's anyways. It's, okay, so um, I reached out to my friend Max Peterson, who actually had falconry friends, and he got me in touch with them. I got in touch. So this is the best way. If you're interested in falconry, find out if you have a state club. At that point, most state clubs have a position, a volunteer position within the organization that is for apprenticeship coordination. Find out um, who that is and reach out to them. It's typically via email. They're going to be the people who know what falconers are around you. And it is not always going to be a five-minute trip down the road. There's only about I don't know an exact number, but I think about 5,000 falconers nationwide. Oh, wow. That's not as many as I thought. Yeah. I mean, in terms of like population density, it's definitely not a lot. Um, so it might be an hour drive. Like I'm in Katie, my sponsor's in Magnolia. It's a 45-minute drive if we want to see each other. And typically to this day, even though she's not my sponsor, we still meet up to hunt together once a week. So it is a sport of driving for sure. Um, and it might mean, you know, you make a weekend trip out of going to hunt with people so that you can get out in the field with them. So that apprenticeship coordinator is going to talk to you a little bit, try to find people that they can connect you with that are nearby. And you're going to start ideally in an ideal world, going out hunting with them. And as coming in as apprentice, you, so I would assume you strongly recommend coming in open mind and not trying to show that you are the expert like you're, you're coming in to purely learn you got to know that so yeah no for sure you there's a lot of things that like you can read a hundred books on falconry and try to apply that to real life scenarios and it might not it might not happen the way it does in a book right so wild animals do what wild animals want to do um in fact in Lubbock this year, my bird decided he doesn't want to chase rabbits anymore. He's a squirrel hawk um, <laughs> in front of a group of 20 people. And I was like, listen, you're not getting to see him catch anything, but you're learning a lesson, which is you can't always control the situation. Yeah, It's not a gun. It's a bird. Like it, it does yeah. what it wants. It does what it wants to do. And, you know, I've had goose long enough now that like he really likes squirrels, but he also knows he's not going to go hungry. I'm not going to starve him out. Um, and that's kind of what prompted my maybe releasing him anyway. But going back to that. Um, so you, you're going to go, you're going to start with going out in the field with people, developing the relationship by working hard to help make their birds successful, um, to show that you want it bad enough that you're willing to learn, even if the success isn't necessarily yours. Um, going to events to, like Texas is what I can speak to, obviously, because that's the club that I work with. We have two to three events a year, one of which is a picnic that doesn't even involve birds. The other two are hunting events that are open to the public. Um, we actually on, hold on, let me pull up my calendar. And why don't you say in this? The, this is not a, uh, I'm going to go buy my bird and then show up and learn how to hunt birds. Cause that, that is not how this works. Uh, and we'll get into that, but it, it is a matter of, uh, it, it's a process and you've got to do the steps of the process. There is no skipping steps in this process. So the 16th, 17th, and 18th of this month, 
My sponsor and I are chairing our second club meet of the year. It's called the Bushy Tail Bash. It's going to be in Nacogdoches, Texas, and that is also open to the public. Um, if you can make it, that's like a great way to start meeting people. Uh, where we are in Southeast Texas, it's going to be primarily squirrel hawking. And this event is literally all squirrel hawking. <laughs> so it's a great way to go, Chris, if your son is interested and you can make it. Um, it's a really good way. There are actually kids in falconry. Most of them that have an apprentice license are children of falconers. It's just easier typically for falconers to get a license or it's easier for adults to get a license because they can drive and do things like that than it is for a kid. I'll share the information on the gumbo page. What was that? Yeah. It was when? 16th, 17th, and 18th. 16th, 17th, and 18th. 16th, 17th, and 18th. Um, and I saw the is, event the other day posted on her page, so I knew about uh, it. Yeah, and if you go to the Texas Hawking Association's website or um, our Facebook page, I'm actually the social media coordinator, so I keep everything up to date, um, and you can actually message me on there if you can't. If I, <laughs> I mean... Listen, I believe that your dragon probably catches stuff. So it's basically like lizard falconry, right? I mean, Same. could you imagine just sending Komodo dragons off to go catch so, squirrel? That would actually be really cool. So like, awesome. Probably, Wait, can we start probably arguably not legal. But can we make that a new club instead of and then we'll just, people with giant monitors just sending their monitors out to catch? Although they're going to come back with like people's dogs and stuff. You're going to, I was about to say, let's not start outdoing me now or you're not going to want me on the podcast. <laughs> just imagine someone That's... sending their croc monitor and comes back with a toy poodle and oh shit. Dude, <laughs> that's like one of my worst fears. I, when I got the puppy for Goose, I was like, please, please, please don't decide you hate dogs. Please don't decide you hate dogs. <laughs> so, um, so they, they find the print, the print, the, someone to be apprenticed for and they, and they work with them. Uh, can we get into the part where uh, they just torture them until they love them? No, we're not there yet. Oh, okay. My bad. We don't have a sponsorship yet. Gotcha. Remember you have to be patient. Sorry. Got all the steps. Okay. So yes, you're going to meet people that way at some point, you know, you're going to develop relationships that might lead you to your apprenticeship. No, Ryan, get off of my podcast. <laughs> 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 I'm glad because I was like, I'm going to skip that question. No, so it, so Ryan's daughter is one of the sweetest kids I've ever met. Seriously, like, I, I'm very blessed to know lots of people with incredibly good children, but she is obsessed with reptiles. And I'm going to give her her first leopard gecko from my collection. Um, and he likes to tease me because he's like, we're just going to feed it bugs from outside. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to send her money to go buy crickets. Don't. Have your child feeding I had, a, I had a fourth grader that caught a cricket outside and was like, Hey, I caught this for one of our lizards. And before I could say a word, like six other kids from class like jumped all over his case and was like, That could have bugs and parasites and da -da -da -da. we can't feed that to our lizard. What's the matter with you? Da -da -da. And I mean, went off all right, on this. We're, kid. we're getting farther away sorry. from the part okay. where you kidnap birds sorry, from their I'm home. Sorry, sorry. I do want to say that one one thing about that though. Um <laughs> I honestly believe that my boss probably did say oh, that. Oh, I don't. I don't even want to know. I don't I know, know which boss is what. I'm going with Andy. I I was actually going to say probably Eric, but it really is like it could be a coin toss. They're That's Andy is basically funny. tiny Eric. Like, but um, anyway, uh, 
if you meet kids who love reptiles, they are our future as a hobby. Please be nice to them. Answer all their questions. Make sure that they continue to love them because we want good kids in the hobby. And don't Anyways. say don't say the animal they like is stupid. I mean, I, I know I call ball pythons stupid all the time, but uh, <laughs> but be better than me, James. Uh, don't, don't don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, apprentice, we're getting closer to where we can just yeah. kidnap animals. So you're gonna get a sponsor in theory. They're gonna sign your sponsorship papers. At that point, you are going to take a hundred question test. This is for the state of Texas. Again, can't speak for other states from personal experience, but it's a hundred question test in Texas. Um, you have to score an 80% or higher, I believe. Which doesn't seem bad. That's a B guys. You just gotta make a B. Listen, I was this close to crying when I took that test. It's like you study, you cry, you keep studying, you hopefully pass your test. You can retake it, but that's aside from the point. I will say I did pass my first test. I called my sponsor and I was like, I don't think I passed. I'm really sorry. Could I try again? <laughs> and then like 10 minutes later, I got an email and they're like, you've passed. Um, so anyway, uh, you take your test. If you pass that, the state is going to set up an inspection with you. That's going to inspect equipment and muse, um, which muse is basically like the housing for your hawk. Um, at that point, can we go in? Wait. Can we go well, into the housing? Because it is not just a bird cage in your house. No. It, well, okay. So it depends on what kind of bird you have, but no, in any case, it's not a bird cage. So um, smaller falcons like kestrels can be kept in the house. Technically, red tails can be kept in the house perched too. Everybody does it a little differently. Um, Goose has an eight by eight by eight portable muse that was made by Mike Depoy. Um, I, I think if you like look up. Um, prefabricated falconry cool. muse you can probably find pictures um but there's there's a process like you can't i don't think you can go straight to that chris we'll get that in a second what is that? he's at no, sea yeah, eagles so but there's a there's a process you actually i don't even know if you can have sea eagles i don't i'm not gonna lie well, to you. Chris, chris probably can chris probably can <laughs> he's so because he, because if he's getting it for his son, that's one thing. But if he's getting it for a croc encounter, he's got all kinds of other harpy eagle be fucking that allows so him to do stuff. You can actually have exotic raptors um, without a falconry permit. You just can't hunt with them, as far as I know. Why would you want that? What a harpy eagle? No, why would you want to have something if you can't hunt with it? Oh, so but, like people that use them for education, yeah, like he's people have. Like oh, okay, I get that. Okay, but a harpy um, eagle can I get that a harpy eagle can snatch sloths off the side of a tree. Uh, that would be freaking cool. So I I think that there's somebody in the United States that's breeding crowned eagles. I know there's a few other like exotic eagle species. I've seen golden I don't eagles used to hunt deer. So I have a friend that hunts a golden eagle on jackrabbits, and I actually got to see him fly for the first time. Um, it was amazing. And wasn't it? it? The bird was pretty cool. I was like, I'm I'm still going to tease you that that's a giant red tail, but that was really cool. Not okay. Lie. So they, now you're the one getting off on I, I Well, no, because he started talking about cool birds. Uh, <laughs> so the caging. So again, uh, I know a lot of people have the, like the flight cage in their yard and stuff that and their houses for some of these birds too, right? Yeah. So, um, okay, wait, repeat the question. I'm sorry. So going back, <laughs> to, going back to caging for these guys, I know a lot of people have, I don't know the exact things but like do you have to have a flight cage or an outside cage for them to do that so it's not an ex 
exactly a flight cage. Um, so there's federal regulations, right? And then states can adapt those regulations to be more strict. Yeah. Um, in Texas, we have we have to have a weathering yard. We have to have some kind of housing. Um, I don't remember what the exact like verbatim stipulations are on that, but for the most part, like that's something your sponsor should help you with because it's dependent on what kind of bird you're going to fly. Um, so I just, I knew from the get go that I was going to fly a red tail and I bought my Amuse prefabricated because I can't build for shit. Like I can't, I barely know which way of the hammer you're supposed to use. <laughs> so, um, I bought a prefabricated Muse and I, we modified a big dog, um, like run to be his weathering yard. Um, there's so like I said, the there's muse, a lot of ways to for, for, for the muse, that's that what is a muse? A muse is basically what you're going to free loft a hawk in. Um, so when Goose is molting during the summer, he's free in um that it, it's essentially almost like a little shed, gotcha. an eight by eight by eight shed that has barred windows. Um and uh, his has a skylight and Damn. he can be in there free. Yeah. I mean, little like bougie bird. Got a TV and a treadmill and a hot tub. <sighs> he wishes. I had to feed, I had to soak his feet a bunch this season because he keeps getting bitten by squirrels. And <laughs> I was like, how is it that I ended up giving this hawk spa treatments? So he's but, got this shed. That's the muse. So you get your muse built to keep the story short. You get your muse built. Um, and then it becomes trapping season, which is James' favorite thing to talk about in the right, whole so world. I just, this is the part where we're going to talk about how you get a bird. And I need all of y'all to listen carefully because all of y'all are like, oh, do you get to do this or get one of these? This is the part where if it was literally anything else, they'd arrest you. They'd be like, <laughs> that's illegal. You can't do that. But this one, it's the rules. And I need you to understand this is the rules because if you don't listen, it sounds fucking crazy. It, okay. So – Oh, hi, Ryan. Leah. We apologize for our language. I don't apologize. Yeah. Ryan, his his daughter is being corrupted by you guys. Thank you. Um, okay, so getting to the part where you're a horrible human. We go trapping. Okay, so in Texas, we, we are I'm totally not a horrible human. This talk <laughs> is so pampered, it's ridiculous. Um, so it gets to be trapping season, depending again. So basically, here's going to be your major rule in an apprenticeship. Your sponsor is the law. Your sponsor makes the rules. A, most good sponsors are going to hear you out if you have a question or a concern or, you know, you want um, totally not horrible human. I like this Chris <laughs> Peter. He's, we're keeping him. He, um, okay. So legally, Muse don't have to have a double door entry in, um, in Texas. But sorry, I'm totally reading you guys' comments. No, it's fine. Um, but I do actually recommend a double door entry, and I do. My personal muse has a double door entry. It basically just gives you like if your bird flies out the door, it's not flying away, which is great. Um, when I first got goose, I honestly really didn't put him in his muse for like the first couple of months. He, when he wanted to be outside, like he was weathered. Um, 
and he was tethered when he was weathered. All right. Uh, so just Hayden's taking forever. I'm getting to this point right here because I think it's crazy. Oh my, you okay. have to catch your first bird. Yes. Like, so if, if we do, had to do that with reptiles, we're like, all right, guys, you, you want a retic? You want your first animal to be a retic? All right, that's great. You need to travel to Indonesia <laughs> and catch one. Once you've caught one and you've taken care of that one, you can have retics. But you got to go catch one. Okay. So here's the thing. You you do – your first bird has to be a wild-trapped bird. And it's a small list. You can't, it's not like, oh, I'm going to get a bald eagle. It depends on, it depends no, on the state. No, no, no. So no, some no. states, it's you know two or three species of raptor. Other states, it's a free-for-all. But your sponsor still determines – so like in Texas, there's a whole bunch of different birds that you can trap as an apprentice. But like I wanted to fly a kestrel. My sponsor How'd that says, go for you? Shut up. <laughs> um, I remember I to, those posts fondly. Uh, I also don't remember them fondly. Uh, um, <laughs> that little – the thing I laughed every freaking time there was, was a new post about that stupid little bird. He was so cute. Go it's figure. A bird didn't want to be kept in captivity. That was wild. That's crazy. Okay, you Goose met Goose. spoiled you. you. Think- That's the problem. Just, just because think- you that bird has Stockholm syndrome and thinks that you're great. <laughs> Goose is yeah. awesome. That's the problem. Goose- but the Goose kestrel is- you caught wasn't crazy and realized, what the fuck? I was just wild five oh, minutes no, that ago. Goose, that kestrel would have been perfectly fine to live in captivity as long as I fed her and she didn't have to do any work. <laughs> That's that not a very good problem. falconry bird. If you- <laughs> there was no correlation between you're supposed to actually catch your food well, I, that's actually a lie. She would catch things. She would catch bugs and she would catch lizards. And then she would take those lizards and fly to Egypt with them. And I would spend two <laughs> hours of my day trying to find her. It was horrible. And finally, I was like, I give up. Be free. Um, so, yes. So you trap, you do trap a bird. Um, Christina wants to know how you trap them. You're not climbing is, a tree and tossing a net. It on. is not like, not like that. You're not like catching Tweety so, Bird. It's not. The way that we trap here is actually via roadway. I believe that certain states have different laws regarding how you can trap. In Texas, it's legal to trap from the roadway. So we actually drive around usually on back roads. That's just insane. We throw a trap out the window that has a little like mouse or something in it. Um, (laughs) You put the the trap hits on the ground. I mean, you're not like actually like yeeting it out of the car. You don't want the mouse to die. Like you're trying to be nice, right? Um, There are so many hawks around our neighborhood. Like I actually know people though who use gerbils. Okay. (laughs) And the gerbils are actually pets like the rest of the year. Because they're like lucky. This is the most fucked up hobby. It's the most fucked up hobby. After they trap the bird, they don't get to eat the gerbil. No, that's messed up. (laughs) At least give it a treat for being caught. No, 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 no. That's so. It's okay. So you're you're trapping birds. I my first goose when I went to catch goose. Um, it took me a week of trapping. I think one of the reasons that I'm so attached to goose and like this is going to be another like. Hayden mentions a really uncomfortable emo moment. Um, I trapped goose the day that my great grandmother passed. Funny story. No. Funny story. (laughs) Actually, funny story. She hated animals. She was not an animal person. (laughs) And she she loved birds. So, like, I don't know. I guess I just got really, like, sentimentally attached to the goose. Chris um, is going to kill me tonight, just in case anybody's wondering. (laughs) So... 
<laughs> I just called Ger- the call. Gerbils are multi-use animals. That's that is yeah. true. Let's just there are children on this podcast. What are you um, talking about, Hayden? We're just talking about it? catching hawks. I don't It's funny because I have this is the funny part, right? <laughs> I have a couple of group chats and like one of them is gerbily. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, anyway. Wow. So back to the the less <laughs> weird part. You're randomly catching hitchhiker birds on the side of the road. Yeah. So you have to catch a juvenile bird, which is a bird that's still in juvenile plumage. So you, you offer it free candy. Yeah, basically. Um, they're typically kind of poor hunters. Um, as kids, basically, they're still learning, right? So they hit the trap. Um, let's say you catch a bird you're really lucky you catch a bird the first day you're bringing your bird home you're getting it kind of acquainted to life and captivity sometimes they eat the first day sometimes they're like nah you're gonna eat me hold on hayden you're leaving out the fact that you have thrown a trap out the side of a car on the highway (laughs) not a highway like back road back road okay my my bad back road oh so it's not the roads by our house because there are hawks everywhere i mean everywhere in general in general, we would try not to do it on like a busy roadway because but, you don't want to freak the bird out or anything. <laughs> you don't want to freak this bird out that's now in a trap. People driving by. I mean, cars. it's going to be freaked out, but like we don't want it to think it's going to get hit by a car level freaked out. So, right? Hayden, you were okay, like, all right, sense. you take the bird home and if it eats. No, 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 no. I need to understand how this cage now has this bird who's never been caught or touched by humans is being picked up by this giant ape. <laughs> and how is this bird acting? And how do you get this? Because so Darren's asking Darren the same says, thing. Darren says, you know, whoa, so many things just happened at one time. But <laughs> If you could talk about the moment when you first put hands on a wild-caught bird of prey. Okay, so it's the first bird that I put hands on. We trapped three birds the week that I was trapping. Um, the first bird that we trapped was actually an adult that just hadn't done a full molt. So it had juvenile feathers, um, but... It was an adult, so we had to let it go. And that was the first time I ever like saw a bird like really up close in person, like up close and personal, and it was pissed. Like go I've figure. seen falconry birds, but it this one was pissed, right? See, Goose the is second, always in a good mood when I see him, so that's why I'm Goose has already been tricked. He's been the second bird I trapped is actually a funny story, haha. Um <laughs> I trapped this bird by myself because at that point we trapped a bird. So my sponsor was like, you know what? I think that you can go out and like try to trap by yourself since we're having poor luck. I go out to trap. I trap this bird. It's a juvenile bird. I'm so excited. I'm running to this trap to get it off the trap. Hold on. Cause, cause Jeff Frederick said you have to drive off for like a half mile and then watch like a perv with binoculars. Did you watch your birds like a perv? Correct. I bought binoculars. Such a just fucking to weird watch hobby. I don't want to hear shit about reptiles. We're not the weird hobby. <laughs> We're just not. I'm I'm positive we're not the weird hobby in this in these two hobbies. Reptile people are weird in a different way than falconers are weird. Falconers are we are like. But your whole hobby is based on having to be weird from the get go. It's like we need we got to kidnap and trick this bird into loving us, and then we're gonna make him work for us. But he's gonna think it's his own idea. I guess simplifying it, but it's, listen, I, as somebody who's done reptiles and falconry now for a while, I'm no expert, but both are pretty weird. (laughs) And Ryan's right. It's not weird. It's genius. 
<laughs> Chris Teeter. See, reptile people use gerbils in the appropriate way. Yeah. We're not throwing okay. them out of the window. We don't, we don't eat them out of a car window hoping that we get a bird with them. <laughs> okay. So I will say I do not use the method of holding a bird for days at a time so that it gets used to us really fast. You will love um, me, bird. Yeah. I mean, I think that, like I said, with falconers, it's not like there's a hundred ways to skin a cat kind of a thing. But a couple um, of ways to catch them if you get a big enough bird. Yeah. Right. Um, so I didn't use that method. I actually did training sessions twice a day with Goose and most of the time left him hooded so that he was relaxed and calm. Um, I have him. Hold on. He's actually in his box right now. He's in the mini fridge next to her. Yes. Um, so he... <laughs> Is yeah, I'm gonna pull up while you're talking. I'm gonna pull up some pictures. I got pictures of them that you sent. Me. I saved pictures. I should have sent you guys pictures of when I first trapped goose. But anyways, the second bird I trapped actually had no beak. I called my sponsor and I was like, "This bird has no beak." What and do you her do first... about that? Well, the first thing she said is, "What did you do?" And I was like, <laughs> "No, I trapped this bird and it had no beak when I trapped it. It ended up going to a rehabber." Um, and it was kind of cool because the rehabbers reached out to me and I got to see that bird after it had been with the rehabbers for a while and it was doing very well. So they named it Pico. And I will say when I tried to get that bird off the trap, it shoved a talon through my finger. Um, that was not great. Then the third bird I trapped was Goose, no injuries. Um, I trapped him alongside my sponsor and another falconer who's local to us. And actually this picture that you're looking at right now is the day that I trapped Goose. So with his cool, cool hood on. I know. So your transport it, it is a coroplast transport, yeah. Yes. So that picture is Goose the very first day that I got him. It was November twenty-seventh. Um there he is in all his glory. Pretty he is. He's a good boy. He is. I mean, I'm biased. He's a pretty bird. I may cry when you finally let him go. That's. We'll, we'll would, get to that later too, because that's another okay. weird ass part to this whole thing. Okay. So you do. You have to trap your first bird, right? Um, the biggest thing is that you learn a lot from having a wild trapped bird. They are always releasable to the wild. So that's the Kestrel that was evil. <laughs> yeah, probably because you gave her that stupid hat. No, it was evil before that. It's okay. Um, I should have gotten something good. So I actually do not hawk rabbits. I hawk squirrels almost entirely. Um, but I am of the opinion, and my sponsor is of the opinion, that male hawks can do just as well as female hawks. Um, Male hawks are smaller, but where we are, we have, we're very, very dense forest. It's a lot of brush. And as long as you have a bird that will slam brush, it doesn't really matter necessarily if they have an extra three or 400 grams. Um, males are more aerial because they have less weight. So they can get through brush sometimes easier than a female. The good, the thing with female hawks though, is that they tend to have bigger feet and that makes them safer in terms of squirrel bites, but that makes sense. But goose has really big feet for a male. So like the way that falconers have 
a foot fetish, I cannot even tell you if you want to talk about weird things. That's hilarious. Is that when I see a bird, the very first thing I look at are its feet. Fucking and then the ass. very first thing I say to somebody is, God, your bird has nice feet. Weird ass people. <laughs> Kidnapping like, animals. Yes. I have Stockholm syndrome. I would be great in the bird world. You'd be a great bird, dude. Like I, I, mean, I was a bird. I never looked at feet quite like I have since becoming a falconer. That's hilarious. Um, so Goose has very nice feet, might I add? Um, <laughs> Does it make this weird for everyone? I guess. Go ahead. So funny, yeah. I, dude. The way that I get excited about pretty bird feet, I can't even tell you. Like the. Now it's so bad that like when I look at people's parrots, I'm like, man, that that foot like it could use some work. Uh, <laughs> I had this um, Amazon parrot that we worked with, and she was just really old, but she had like really gnarly feet. And I'd always look at her feet and kind of go because it would freak me out. So yeah, so Goose has big feet. They're actually really thick. And when I pull him out, I'll show you guys what I mean. But like just having like really like muscly look at those muscly, feet like oh, massive feet is great for squirrels um and those nice feet, feet hold so much power it's like having a wrench really like they're I can't say enough good things about raptor feet <laughs> All right, away from the feet because it's getting creepy so you've, <laughs> you've caught your first bird and now you've got it how long does it normally take to take it from wild caught pissed off because it's no longer wild to pretending it likes you and actually hunting so i would say my experience goose was from the trap to hunting in about four weeks okay um i want to say that like average especially for your first bird is like four to six weeks some falconers that are really experienced manning and training a bird might take two weeks but generally if a bird I would say generally between a month to two months is like probably pretty average. And this is how much time a day with it? It, it That's kind of depends on what process you use to train your bird. So some people do believe that you should basically stay up for three days with your bird on the gloves so that they're forced to get used to you, that they eventually eat all of these different things. Some people do it the way that I did it, which is like a couple of training sessions a day offering food, trying to get them to understand that like so raptors don't think like other animals think. They are very food driven. And right about the time that they start taking food from you, they realize, oh, this person's feeding me, so they're probably not going to eat me. And it's, I want to say goose stopped. I'm, I'll see if I can find a photo, but um, goose stopped doing this when you first trap them they do this thing where they like their eyes pin and they open their mouth and stick their tongue out at you like little dragons to try to intimidate you and they like hold their wings out like this and um, they don't want to sit on a glove unhooded so they'll like throw themselves off the glove and you could keep pushing them back up on the glove and eventually they start standing on the glove and um you like kind of try to feed them with tongues or with your fingers or however you want to do it and eventually they stop doing the dragon thing and they just start looking at you like, I'm really confused about why you're feeding me. Um, and so then at that point they're eating. And I think one of the coolest things about Goose. So I was having the hardest time. I got him on the glove. I got him to a point where like he could sit on the glove and be looking at me and 
like wouldn't throw himself off of it anymore. But I for like, I don't know, almost a week, I could not get this bird to jump to the glove. And I was getting so frustrated. And I actually had to, I think you guys might've been at this show. Um, I had to go to a reptile show. I can't remember why. I don't remember if I was working the show or what the situation was, but I had gotten so frustrated and I was like, listen, I can't leave the bird at home because he's got to eat. So I brought Goose in his box, like a suitcase, like I'm carrying this suitcase around with this bird in it. I vaguely remember him being in a suitcase at some show. Yes. So I was carrying him around and I realized that like, it's time for him to eat. And I messaged my sponsor and I was like, hey, I've got to feed the bird. I don't really have a good place to do it. I'm at this show. And she was like, well, listen, just try. He's probably not going to do anything if there's a bunch of people around. But, you know, at the very least, get a little bit of food into his system and then try again later. I'm like, okay. So this bird, who's never jumped to the glove, goes from not jumping on the glove. I pull him out at the show. I actually set up on um, somebody's enclosures that they're selling. They're like, yeah, you can... I think it was Robert yeah. who was like, you can set, you can set goose up on, on my enclosures that I'm selling. And I'm like, okay, great. So I set him up with his little perch and I'm like trying to get him to jump to the glove and I'm creating an audience. All of a sudden there's like five people, then 10 people, then 20 people. And I'm like, yeah, this bird's not going to do anything. There's no way. Um, so goose took his first jumps at that show he went from jumping to the glove to jumping 10 feet to the glove um, in front of a crowd of people. My sponsor and I were freaking out and I was like, he's going to be a good bird. I don't know. I was at that point, I had this really good feeling that he was going to be a good bird because he just was so brave. He was not fearful and he was kind of a diva. He was like, Oh, all these people are watching me. Like, let me show off like what I can do. Um, and at that point when he started jumping to the glove in front of people, I want to say like a week after that he was free flying. Like it was like, okay, now I get it. I come to the glove when you whistle. Okay. You're going to feed me. If I come to the glove, um, you're going to keep feeding me. Like, his response was really good. We free flew him at a like little forested area. Um, and it's funny because the very first time we free flew him, we put his telemetry on, which is basically like an old school. The way that I could explain it is it's basically radio GPS, right? Um, and that's how we track them if we lose them. So we put the telemetry on him. We let him go. And before I can even see if he's going to follow me, he's chasing squirrels. And Aisha and I are like, oh, my God. Like, this is – he knows squirrels. Like, this is fantastic. Well, so yeah, we he actually, knows squirrels. He was living in the wild a month ago. So. Actually, he was living on a pole at a Bucky's. I was going to say, he's the Bucky's baby. Uh, there were still squirrels around. He was eating something. Bucky's has everything. He was eating crackles <laughs> is what he was eating. He was eating uh, he was beaver nuggets. Me. He was saving me from the birds that tried to eat me in my car that day. Probably. He was See? definitely eating some weird stuff, but I'm pretty sure he wasn't eating squirrels based on the location. <laughs> but he must have been eating. He must. So my like theory is that he was a migrant. Um, but he 
takes he he from the get-go was like all about squirrels which is awesome it took us about three weeks of hunting before he actually caught one though and he of course decided to so there was like this these wooded lots by my sponsor's house they're they've since been bulldozed and they're now houses but her neighbors all knew she was a falconer and like were totally cool with her hunting these lots so she let me hunt with my bird there and he decided to catch a squirrel in somebody's backyard. So she had to jump the fence with the bird and the squirrel. <laughs> and he got his first squirrel that day. I actually have pictures of that somewhere. Okay. So I got two train of thoughts. I want to get. One, I want to go into the feeding part because Jeff did say something. Wait until you hear about the weight management for raptors. They're worse than ball python people with their scales. I do want to talk about, you talked about having to take goose with you because you couldn't leave them home and just feed them when you got home. How much and how often? Because there's look, there's I, I know there's no fat on these birds, so like I they've got to eat on so a regular when basis. You, when you trap them, they are typically some birds aren't, but they are typically fat. Um, so to to get them to a place where they're like flying with you and hunting with you, you trim weight off of them so that they're motivated, right? Um, and I don't. Off the top of my head, I don't have like a specific percentage or anything, but you generally take X amount of weight off of them to get them to a place where they're fit, um, but they're food motivated. And I love how you make it sound nice, but in reality, you're like, you basically starve him right to the point that he's healthy, but he can't live well, without you because he's hungry. I actually wouldn't say that like starving a bird in practice is necessarily useful there are reasons to keep a bird yeah so ryan says 10 percent, and i want to say that we went in with the idea that we would take 10 to 15 percent off of goose but goose was very fat when we trapped him he actually had food in his crop and how much does he weigh because i know a lot of people don't realize they see a huge hawk on a power line they're like that thing's got to weigh a ton but then liars he is a lot so, heavier than you think he but he's is not he's got I hollow bones and power. all he's not so he was trapped at 1050 so and this is grams and i want to say that that's like a little over two pounds um then he flies now at about 890 to 900 grams jeez but when you're um, trying to hold still and not freak him out because he's having a great day, it weighs a lot more than you think. <laughs> he, so they're really strong. And I think that that's the thing is much like retics, like when you're holding a retic and it's really strong, it doesn't necessarily actually weigh 200 pounds, but all of the muscle makes it feel like it oh, weighs yeah. 200 yeah. pounds. With raptors, it's kind of the same thing. Like when they're jumping and baiting and like, tr like just being assholes in general they feel so strong that you're like, there's no way this bird doesn't weigh five pounds. Goose weighs like two. Um, my friend's golden eagle hunts at seven pounds. That's crazy for how huge that bird is. That bird yeah. weighs more than our kid's dog. Well, golden eagle? Well, yeah. Kid's dog. They hunt deer. I know. So here so we don't, I wouldn't say that in the United States, it's a common practice to hunt deer. Um, I've seen Europe, like in Asia and Europe where they do it Europe, or, or in the they, wild. They'll grab goats and chunk them off the side of a cliff. I have not seen that. Well, um, I've seen videos of that. They, it, it's definitely raptor predation is very interesting. A friend of mine, Neil, um, just published a paper and I'll send you the link in case you want to post it of a bald eagle um, 
eating. Oh man, hold on. Now I'm looking it up, but he wrote a paper. Well, the golden eagles I've seen, they'll fly. They'll take these goats off the side of a cliff and then pick them up and chunk them off. (laughs) And then they'll fly down to where the goat falls and dies and then eat them. So it's a, I don't know if you can see this, but it's a bald. No, Uh, mm, my phone's mm, not working. No, okay. Well, it's a bald eagle that's actually predating upon a greater siren. Oh, that's cool. It's very cool. So, like, there's a lot of, like, one-off things that, um, like, happen where, like, raptors are kind of just like, oh, like, this is food. Um, it, I don't know that it happens a ton in falconry with, like, squirrel hawks, um, but I do know people who've, like, had their squirrel hawks, like, grab possums and stuff, and you, like, trade them off the possum and, like, go hide the possum somewhere. Um, and the possums, like, I don't know what just happened. They're usually fine. Um, so, like, even with squirrels, when goose catches a squirrel, I think people's, like, thought process is goose catches a squirrel and then he kills it. And then I get the squirrel after it's dead. Goose catches a squirrel and they fight. Like, squirrels are incredibly smart. They're incredibly strong and they bite. Um, so the nicest thing that we can do for them at that point is put them down. We use a, I don't have it with me, but it's basically a really nice ice pick. <laughs> we call them shivs. Um, the but I actually, so Ryan, fancy name at all. Just shiv. We just shiv the fuck out of that squirrel. Just and, uh, pretty much. So actually Ryan, who's turns in into a comments, prison yard like, brawl. You know, Ryan makes really pretty shivs for falconers. It, it's basically pithing. That's exactly what it is. You Such hit them in the back of the hobby. head. I was like, what is pithing? I don't know. I've never heard it that. It makes okay, it sound listen. better than shiving. Hey, listen. This, you're talking to me like I don't know that there are reptile people putting things in the freezer. Okay. <laughs> Just saying. I'm, not, I'm not going around so shiving when you, rabbits. When you Google pithing, you get a Magic the Gathering card that pulls up. So uh, let I don't me keep think, scrolling. I don't. Maybe you should go pithing falconry. Yeah. And then. Yeah. So you might have better luck with like. Uh, um, yeah, because this is a pithing like needle. Dis, like look up like dispatch, quarry dispatch, or something. How to kill a squirrel? <laughs> I mean, so it's instantaneous death, though. And I think that, like, when I talk to people, because they're like, oh, it's so mean that you're, like, torturing these animals. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> raptors are catching these animals in the wild. And it's a humane euth- it's a humane euthanasia method, exactly. Um, and it one, it keeps the bird from having its feet torn up. But two, it also prevents suffering. <laughs> it, it prevents suffering of the squirrels. And... I think that the nicest thing that you can do for any animal that you're hunting is give it an honorable death and Absolutely. a humane death. What is that? Uh, your mom coughing? Joe cough? I don't know. Anyways. Oh, sorry. Uh, Weird so noises from I, I do want to It's the ghost of Katie's cough. That's I what mean, it is. I, he muted me. So what, I uh, my nose. what are the percent chances of your bird just flying away and not coming back? Because is that I, high? How often does that happen? Ryan, you chime in if you know. I actually only know of it happening like once or twice, but I'm sure it does happen quite a bit. What? Wait, so like this Ryan is the one that makes the fun things that we use to yeah. put things out of yes. a treasury? Yeah. Very cool. So Ryan has a business called Chival- Chivalrous Designs. Chivalrous. 
And it is, it is fantastic. He was in um, prison actually, for a while. He can make them out of uh, toothbra- toothbrushes. And- he's not making shanks. He's making shivs. Oh, yes. And they're very nice. Mine has a deer antler at the end of it. That's so and- crazy. But yeah, no, I agree with Ryan. A lot of it comes down to the particular species, but I can talk about <laughs> is red tails. I'd be um, trapped in a week, Chris. It's all good. <laughs> there oh, was yeah, someone I mean, recently, I remember, was it last year? Someone around here had one with their Jesses on and like it was flying around this area. I never saw it, but so I remember seeing it on Facebook. If a bird, so there's a big difference in a bird getting loose the first time it free flies and a bird flying off when it's been with you for a long time. So, like, peregrines routinely fly off. That's just what peregrines do. Um, most falconers that fly falcons fly them with GPS for that reason. But they fly off at easy. a bajillion miles an hour, so. Well, and typically it's just easier to find them with GPS. Um but like red tails, I've not really had the problem um, of red my red tail flying off. Um, yes, the owl from New York is still loose as far as I know. And <laughs> that was not a falconer. That was a zoo. So Dieter says, does anybody use a caracara? But they're more of a scavenger, I think, a lot of the times. Yeah, so caracaras can be really mean from what I hear. Not necessarily to people, but like to other birds and stuff. But they're not really hunters. So I don't know anybody using caracaras for falconry if anybody's not sure what a caracara is imagine if a parrot fucked a hawk and then you get a caracara that's yeah i mean it looks like a really weird like long bird i don't colorful face and it's odd and first time i saw one here i was like that's a weird ass looking bird okay so i didn't know about this bird from new york it's been free for a year it's i'm not gonna lie to you it would be a incredibly surprised if it's still alive well so they this apparently like they've got eyes on it like it's okay. still roaming free and like they've got like this was this article is from the usa today from a from yesterday well what's tricky with the zoo is that i'm assuming that was not a wild caught bird that was probably no no yeah. that was a captive bred bird as yeah. far as i believe it was a eurasian eagle owl oh those are cool and, i knew a guy um, in louisiana that hunted with one of those but I, it, my assumption would be it's never hunted a day in its yeah, life like this whole article in usa today and the one on, from three days ago on npr.org so they're just still it feeding talks it about probably how, like people in the city like know this bird and and his name is Flacco, and like. So my understanding was ridiculous. that they were not allowing people to try to trap it. Mm-mm. I don't know if that's true. It's a Eurasian um, eagle owl. Yeah, but they should. They should definitely let somebody trap it and get it back in captivity. I'm a huge like, oh, very no. staunch. That like it's from the Central Park Zoo. Yeah, it is. Which it's means that we saw it when we were there last summer. Or it was already gone. Or it was it had already. I don't remember when it got out. February of last year. Crazy. Sorry, I went off on a tangent. No, no, you're good. I so I've worked a little bit with Eurasian eagle owls. Owls are kind of stupid. Not gonna lie. (laughs) Like I've just not met. They're just very different from like hawks. Like hawks are. Owls and hawks are not the same. Well, Darren says in the chat that it's been observed eating rats, which I'm sure there's plenty of them in New York. So it might be catching. I mean, I'm sure that it has some instinct, obviously, to hunt. Um, but I'm very surprised to hear that it's still alive, knowing that it's likely never hunted before. Um, 
but they're a cool looking bird. Uh, I knew a guy when I worked at the zoo in uh, Louisiana. He actually was doing his uh, community service through our zoo, but uh, he did falconry <laughs> and he he got a Eurasian eagle owl. And I was like, that, that's a cool looking bird. Eurasian eagle owls are really actually cool birds. Um, not owls in general are not typically good falconry birds, but they're very cool birds. Um, they're just they seem to be very hard to train, and it kind of is a one off situation where you get an owl that really wants to hunt with you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they're very cool birds. I I did know about the owl in New York. I did not know it was still alive. So that is okay. So I do want to get to. Uh, we talked about it earlier, and we you, you kind of hinted at it. Uh, once you catch this bird and and you've tricked it and it likes you, this is not a <laughs> this is not a lifetime friendship, right? You've talked Sometimes, about possibly so, letting goose go. Yeah, and like that's so. Here's the thing: is to a degree, falconry birds are tools to hunt. It's a hunting sport. Um, goose would not be happy if he wasn't hunting. He would not have a fulfilled life. You know, we talk about like how important enrichment is with reptiles. Think about it being 200 times more important for a bird whose whole life is hunting. Um, I mean, whether they're captive or free, they spend a majority of their time hunting. It's a survival. But goose is one of those birds that like, you know, he loves hunting. This year, he just kind of, He's getting older. He's definitely more focused on girls and things like that. Um, but gotta go make little gooses. And and Those are he has geese. Geese. <laughs> geeses. <coughs> he is a bird that, like, regardless of how many. So here's the thing: you trap a bird, and you can. Some sponsors require that you let your first bird go. And that you trap a second bird to fly your second season. So falconry is a two-year apprenticeship. And then it could be longer than that. It's based off of when your sponsor signs off on your paperwork. But it's at least two years. Um, my sponsors did not require that I released Goose. And he was such a good bird that we both agreed I should keep him. Um, he's getting to a point now where, like, he's still a good bird. Don't get me wrong. And I think... Part of what was going on this year was a weight issue. I was trying to fly his, him a little bit higher, and he just wasn't really connecting with prey items the way that I wanted him to. And I was perceiving that as lack of desire to hunt. So sometimes the longer you keep a bird, the better they get, and sometimes they get worse. And you can't really know until you've tried. So my plan was to get Goose... And to fly him until I had a year, like, until I knew that I was going to have a year where I wasn't going to be working as much. I wasn't going to have as much going on because I think that one of the reasons I have the bird that I have now is I invested so much time into getting him around strangers, putting him in big crowds, making him a little uncomfortable so that now he's a very stable adult. Um you know, I'm sure you guys have seen, if you guys go to like the Conroe Herp shows, you've seen me with him there. Um, and, you know, I, I think that that did a world of good for him. And I will always appreciate Sean for allowing me to bring my birds to the show. Um, I think people enjoy seeing him and it's always nice when somebody remembers us. Is 
there's no fear of him imprinting on people too strong. Like if you let him go, he's still going to want to come and be around people. So imprinting happens when you pull birds that have no life experience. So like when you're pulling birds from a nest, you can imprint a bird and they're, um, and so like, I'm going to get into this question about do released birds ever approach people yeah. after release? So like I said, we fly them at what we call hunting weight, right? So when we're getting ready to release a bird, we go through a period where essentially they go without contact with you as a human. You throw food into them and to where they're being kept and you leave them alone as much as possible. Um, but you get them to a point where they're so fat that they no longer need you. Um, and this can happen with any bird who's even a bird that's being hunted is like you feed a bird a little too much and you don't get it attached to your glove fast enough. And it's like, I'll just sit in this tree. And then, you know, we have backup plans like Goose is lure trained. So if I pull a lure, he knows that that's like an instant automatic big reward. So in theory, if he like ate too much and flew off on me and I pulled the lure, he'd come back for the lure because it's, it's red tails are greedy. Yeah. And it's such easy food that he wants to come back to it. Um, so essentially you get them to a place where they're not needing to be fed. They're not being, there's the food is no longer being associated to humans and then you release them. Uh, Goose has only flown off on me, knock on wood one time and it was my own fault. Um, and he didn't really even fly off. He just sat in a tree and I thought I was going to have to wait overnight. So, so if that happens and a bird gets too fat, sometimes you wait um, and then you go back to call them down like the next day. They generally don't leave the area or at least not like a huge amount of area, depending on the kind of bird. Again, I can only speak for red tails. Yeah. And I, and I do want to preface that like I am not an expert on falconry. I am a second year general who happens to also be a reptile person. And if you're really interested in like all of the logistics of other kinds of birds, there's another podcast called the Falconry Chronicles and Falconry told. And that's going to be a really good source of information on like other kinds of birds and other kinds of training and things like that. Um, so I've got a question about, so we, we talked about you, your first bird has to be captured and you get the first bird captured and all that. But once you get to your level, and I know people, you can then look at getting a, a, a captive bird or another bird. How does right. that process work? And like, does going through this process of being a falconry allow that to be legal? Because, you know, like you can't keep a hawk feather if you find it in the wild, right? Because you can't prove you didn't kill it. So, so falconers can keep feathers. Gotcha. Because we use them for like a process called imping where we basically like reconnect different feathers to broken feathers. That's oh, the only way I can cool. think to like verbally explain it. Um, so we actually are allowed to keep bird feathers, but captive bred birds. So in order to breed raptors, you have to have a raptor propagation permit. Um, I'm saying that's a federal permit. It is a federal permit. I think it's also a state. Per I think it's kind of works the same way a falconry license works is the like it's overviewed by the federal government, but I believe it's okay. issued by the state. Everybody's got to get their money. I, yeah, I'm not actually exactly sure how that works because I don't have a raptor propagation permit. Um, 
so there are people in the United States that breed all kinds of raptors. Mostly there's, as far as I know, we don't have very many people breeding red-tailed hawks because they're so easy to trap and they seem to do better being trapped than being imprinted. A lot of people um, hatch and chamber raise um, Harris hawks. There also are a lot of falcons and hybrid falcons that are bred in captivity. I don't really personally at this time have an interest in having a captive bred bird. If I were to release goose, I would likely trap another red tail. Um, so you are actually allowed to continue to trap birds after you get past your apprenticeship. And a lot of people do. Like, I honestly can't see myself, if I continue to live in this area, right, the best bird to fly for the area that we're in is a red tail. There's a million of them. Or, there, a, yeah. ke- or a kestrel. I mean, they're just built for the kind of game that we have. And that's a big thing is, it's not always about what kind of bird you want. It's about what kind of bird you need to have for the quarry you have available. What about like temperatures? Because like we live in South Texas, it, it's hot. So like, you know, a red tail all year long is probably going to be fine. But I imagine there's many uh, types of birds that you could not hunt here. So one of my dreams is a goshawk on squirrels. Um, but goss don't tend to generally do well in high heat and humidity they're very they are really really sensitive to asper which is like a bacterial i believe infection um and it can kill them and some like so like finish line i believe tend to be more asper resistant but the average price of like a nice gus from a finish line might be like, I, I mean, honestly, I haven't even looked, but I want to say that somebody told me it was like around $2,500. Um, and I don't know right now, I don't have the desire to have that kind of work when I can fly a red tail and not have to be concerned about it getting sick. If I lived somewhere like Arizona or New Mexico or further North, then I would definitely consider the gus on like some kind of, Corey. And I imagine something like a golden eagle is not cheap either. So golden eagles can actually be trapped, but an eagle falconry permit is different than like a normal falconry permit. I have honestly no idea how that works, but if you want an eagle falconer on your podcast, I might be able to help you with that. Uh, oh, um, yeah. That's crazy. So that is different. And I know that like my friend, um, Chase, who flies the Golden Eagle, the Golden Eagle's name is Dexter. He trapped Dexter in a depredation um, area. So that makes it um, like legal. I, I Like I said, I don't really know exactly how that works, gotcha. but um, they're really cool birds. It's just a different, like eagle falconry is a different level of falconry. So you have to be a master falconer to fly an eagle. It's just crazy. Just, I mean, that's and there's really like in tech, like where we are. There's no point. There's nothing for us to fly an eagle on here. Um, eagles need a lot of open space. Yeah, it's like it's like West Texas is probably pretty good. You're going out West Texas, wide open. Yeah. So tech, Chase lives in West Texas. The problem right now too is um, we're just having really bad like rabbit and jackrabbit numbers they're better this year than they were in 
prior years, but they are still kind of mm, not as great as some would like them to be. Yeah. So he's having a lot of like difficulty finding enough jackrabbits to get his bird good slips. And I, like I said, I got to see him fly and that was still really, really impressive. I mean, that's a powerful bird. So like Darren says, are you allowed to hunt across state lines or is that something you have to, okay. So that it is. Yes. So I have to have, I, even though I have a falconry permit, I also have to have a hunting license. Um, different states have different rules, but I, Went. I actually brought goose. Goose has been to Oklahoma and Nebraska to hunt. Um, we caught a rabbit in Nebraska this year, which was really cool. That was our first head of game out of state, and I had to have state permits for both of those. Um, marmots. I honestly have no idea if you could hunt a golden on marmots, but um, there is a falconer, an eagle falconer named Lauren McGow. She, I don't remember what her Instagram is, um, but she hunts mostly jackrabbits with her. Um, I, I just imagine seeing that massive bird take an animal like that oh, is amazing. Her, her Instagram is Eagle Falconer. <laughs> um, but she's a really cool source if you have interest in, like if you're just interested in golden eagles. Like I said, it's not really something that we can fly here realistically. So it's not something that I've like really looked into. I don't. Even though I think eagles are really cool, that's not something I necessarily have an interest in flying personally. Yeah. I've worked with a couple of – the coolest thing I've ever worked with was an Andean condor. Um, that would be cool. We had one, and it was not a full-on flight cage, but we had one. It was a female. The males are always kind of an asshole. But we had a, a really good-sized female, and uh, it was when Katie was working at the zoo with me, and she was trying to get some good pictures of it. And, it, I mean, you can get pictures of it sitting on a perch in a cage, and it's just – that's kind of boring. But I found what I could do is take the uh, – white spray uh, paint cap because it was used to coming down and eating white rats and eggs and stuff. And so <laughs> she would go sit up on the perch and I could toss it out in front of me and you could, she would swoop down. Ooh. So Katie lined up right I in front of it. Some, I got some great pictures. And she got of pictures of her just like swooping down wet arm, you know, uh, wings wide open. And then you just kind of block out the background. So it doesn't look like a cage, but you get this I, huge sorry Indian condor. I love birds. I feel like every time I interact with, my bird with other people's birds, I learned something. Um, and I still feel that way about reptiles. So like, you know, we asked, you asked the question in the group, like, do you think you could give up a hobby for? Oh yeah. So here, let's do some of those real quick. The questions. Uh, do you feel you could ever give up or minimize your reptile keeping breeding or events in order to pursue other hobbies? Right. Um, let's go over some of the answers and then we'll go over your answer for this because this was your question so let's go over a few uh our, our buddy paul byfield who was in here earlier said uh, only during hunting season uh then mid-january th- that feeling goes away um our friend megan said no she could not she couldn't imagine doing that couldn't imagine giving up uh D- our friend danielle said no as well there were a couple of them though uh cory martin so uh we had cory on last week she's a friend of the show she said minimize sure She's in the process of downsizing and refocusing right now. Reptiles are something that I see being a part of my life for the rest of my life, but I imagine the form that it takes will look different at different ages and stages in keeping. Uh, for for her, it is. She's you know she's we talked about last week about her getting rid of all of her ball pythons and moving to monitors, which I would do want to give her a shout out. She did just hatch uh, black tree monitor babies for the first time. Very cool. So that was really cool. That is very cool. But uh, I, I I can see that I've definitely. 
refocusing has happened multiple times in my collection over the last 20 years of keeping. Um, uh, John Feely says I had to take this year off breeding and downsize in order to move to take care of family and help with cattle operations. So, uh, our friends at DNT retics said no, but they have retics. They're weird. They don't count as people. Uh, our friend Tracy from the Herb show says we did when we found out we were pregnant, they had to downsize considerably, uh, make a bigger effort to rehome all the rescues they had. Uh, which is weird because when we had our kid, people were like, are y'all going to get rid of snakes? No, I'm probably going to get more. I don't. Yes. Well, they may have. No, I... they had to. They, I get they had... Oh, yeah. Ours no. was different. People wanted us to get rid of them because they were afraid that they were going to eat our baby. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, if we wouldn't have had a room to put our baby in, we would have had to downsize. Uh, the baby could live somewhere. But... I like Chris Dieter. Uh, downsize, question mark? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh... So I will say, like, for me, I couldn't. Four years ago, I couldn't have imagined having less reptiles than I did at the time. Yeah. And I don't know how well you guys knew me when I was like peak keeping, but I was doing like all the venomous presentations for herps. Um, and I probably had a hundred some odd snakes. I mean, I had a huge collection. Most of it was venomous. And when I got into falconry, I realized, you know, six months of the year, I don't have time for a hundred snakes. And I think that that's a huge thing that people don't realize is that falconry, just like reptiles, can be very all-consuming. It is, and it, this seems very cliche to say, but it can be very much a lifestyle as opposed to being just a hobby. And I I still have venomous snakes. I still have normal snakes. I work at Pets Plenty. I, you know, um, I'm actually kind of refocusing my life right now to potentially open a business and I still plan my entire life and my entire day around hunting my bird. And I didn't realize, so like the, for my first year as a falconer, I was not working. Um, and then when I started working, I realized crap, every minute of my free time is this hawk. It's yeah. the biggest commitment I, as a young adult have ever had um, and I can see why so many people wait to become falconers until they have more time or they don't have to work or whatever their situation is. I can't imagine giving up falconry. And it is something I've had to like, okay, maybe I need to take a year off. Um, maybe I need to trap a new bird. And so like, that was a big thing. Like if I can keep goose, I'm going to, because I don't really have time to train a new bird right now. Um, not I don't have time to train a new bird right now the way that I want to train a new bird. So it's one of those things, like, it's very hard to imagine. Um, I, when I downsized, I've kept Giblet, of course, which has my little monocled cobra. And, um, like, she's the love of my life. But, oh. You free handle her all the time, I assume, and boop her on her. No, snow. If, if if there was one animal in my house that was going to kill me, it would definitely be her. Hilarious. <laughs> um, she is mean as shit, honestly. Like, but I'm very attached to her. She was actually the very first like snake that I ever bought a venomous snake. I'm gonna say, geez, first snake ever was a. No, the very first snake I got from Andy when I um, Andy taught me how to handle, and when I stopped working with him as my mentor that was like one of the first snakes i got from him was giblet and i'm a really sentimental person unfortunately 
<laughs> so it's going to make letting a hawk that you've had for a while go very hard. I honestly, it kind of breaks my heart and it kind of makes me excited for him because I, I want to hope that when I do decide to release him, because I think that eventually it will happen. I, I would like us to get to the five year mark, but I do think that it will eventually happen. And thinking about it makes me sad, but I think that he would be a great Raptor partner. Um, I think he would take very good care of his offspring. And I think that he would put a lot of really good hunting hawks into the environment. Um, so there's so it, much to think about. It's a lot to think about. It's so it's a lot. Darren yeah. has a good question. He says, after the initial cost of the muse and the flying equipment and all, what are your other expenses on? So um, after your like, so licensing is an expense, um, hunting licenses, your falconry license, um, my yearly expenses, it depends on if you are planning to keep a bird. So like some people trap a bird at the beginning of the season they hunt it for the season and then they release it at the end of the season. So your cost of food obviously is less if you don't intermew your bird, which is essentially keeping it through the molt. I do that. So a big cost for me yearly is food. Um, whatever he catches, he eats at this point. Um, but I do supplement with chicks and rats and rabbit and things like that. Um, I mean, I don't know what his actual cost is by himself but with the snakes i'm spending a couple hundred bucks um probably a month ish i don't have too many veterinary care expenses fortunately um fuel to go out hawking uh falconry events if you choose to go to them but they're not mandatory um replacement equipment so even after you buy your initial equipment um you can still, you know, have to replace it. Like my glove is four years old and he, hold on one second. It is probably about time to replace it. I just had a friend make me a custom glove that I haven't switched to because I nice. don't want to no, mess it up. Hold on. I'm going to make full screen here. <laughs> so He's that's so pretty. So you don't actually have to release them exactly where you trapped them, but we do typically release them at certain times of the year to give them the best chance of, you know, like doing well in the wild. He does look you, can you can see his like big squirrely feet. They all, he's got all these bites from like squirrels this year. Um, Those great feet, Goose. What'd you do to him? Yeah. <laughs> but he is. He's like, what you got? <laughs> I, you know, I don't think he loves me at all. In fact, I know that probably scientifically this bird does not love me at all, but I love him so much. I actually had him tattooed over my chest because I'm sorry, my camera's backwards, but I've got him over my heart because he started the love of falconry for me. And whether I have him or not, he will always be a huge, huge part of my life. So I will definitely cry. Um, there are only a lot of us out there with you also crying. Don't I, go bad. But even if he doesn't like you, like to to have a bird like that, that you're able to just hold on your hand, let alone hunt and do all the other things. The fact that it's letting you hold it like that, that close, and it's not trying to pick your eyes out and kill you is the coolest mm -hmm. thing. They are. He is totally cool just to look at up close and in person. Yeah. 
he is and he definitely has a level of like he respects you because he knows you also respect him we have i yeah i think respect is a good word i also think that like trust is a really good word because i think that i've done a lot so like taking him to shows one of my biggest things that i wanted from him is to realize that no matter the environment we were in um he was going to be safe if he was out with me and i think that i can credit a lot of his acceptance of people and other animals to the fact that i worked so hard on it um so he got his well We've had some falconry dog mess ups, but um, he got a puppy this year and he flew with dogs for the very first time in four years, which it's kind of, it seems to be harder to introduce dogs later in their life. And um, he's gone from flying with no dogs to having flown with like six dogs this season. And he's caught two squirrels alongside right. dogs. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, it's really like he kind of, I think, knows that like for the most part, I will do whatever I can to protect him. And while he might not love me, he definitely trusts me more than he trusts yeah. Oh, absolutely. So Jeff says his feet are really yellow. Do you feed chicks or quail at all? So I feed quite a bit of chicks. That's his favorite um, when I hunt him. So chicks are going to be, they don't hold the weight of a chick the same way they hold the weight of a rat. So I feed a lot of chicks during the falconry season, but he's always just been like very yellow. Um, however, I do like to feed chicks, so that helps. Shameless plug. There are pictures of me with goose on the reptile gumbo podcast discussion page. If anybody wants to see them. (laughs) Oh yeah, dude. And like I said, pictures, he was so chill. If there's anybody who wants to go hunting. We're going. Yeah. Yeah. And we're going to plan it for it. Well, we'll plan it a second time for my mom just walked in so she could see. So she, we could go hunting with her so you can go with him and watch him hunt and. Yeah, I should be free this weekend. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean, I if anybody who's interested weekend. and is close go. enough to me, you can reach out to me, and I can, I can typically get away with really big groups with him, which is nice. Um, and then in terms of dogs, I've got a fieldbred Springer Spaniel, a wire-haired Dachshund. That's a hunting line Dachshund, and then I've got a um, Yag Terrier. So, the Spaniel is kind of crazy so he doesn't get to go hunting with us that much unfortunately i am training the yag and the puppy has gone out hunting with him um but this summer is going to be like dog training like festival for me so so does the i'm assuming the dog helps scare things out and then he can yeah so it depends on the kind of dog you have uh the dachshunds are typically rabbit dogs but um I just prefer dachshunds, and like I said, our brush is really thick, so they can kind of maneuver themselves into tight places, which is kind of nice. Ryan, who was in the comment section, actually has um, dachshunds, and he has a dachshund named Goose, who I fell in love with, so that's kind of why I decided to get a dachshund. Is it a smooth or rough jag terrier? She's kind of broken-coated. so, did you just poop on the floor? Thank you. That's great. Um, she's a broken coat. She is very cute, and her name is Turtle. <laughs> um, so, I've got Turtle, Grim, and Gander, because Gander was our first falconry dog, so it had to go with Goose. Nice. But, uh, so, one other thing I wanted to so as far as most people, when they said about 
could they do that? A lot of them said yes, they could in certain things, but everyone basically said they couldn't get think of getting out of the whole hobby. Uh, yeah. I think from from this and from what you were talking about, the, the big thing is knowing limitations, and that's really what we talk about a lot on here with your collection is knowing your limitations, and you know that you couldn't keep the amount of snakes you had and do this hobby. And I think, you know, the sad thing for me was I want to be able to do both. I'm one of those people that, like, I don't like to have to give up anything. If I say I'm going to do this, like, I'm going to find a way to do it. And I couldn't. I burnt myself out so bad just trying to make something work that wasn't going to work. Um, so I'm down to probably about 20 snakes. That seems to be a really good number for me. I've got a few things in cooling right now. So I still have my whole group of African fat-tailed geckos. Sorry, my grandparent's cat is like uh, sitting outside get, and he's like... Get him, Goose. Uh, get him. Good Lord. No, that cat's evil. Don't don't get it. K kill it, Goose. Um, luckily, I have cats. So he's, he's, he's pretty like, used to seeing them, but... I had to use my grandparents' house because I was like, my macaws are not going to be quiet for this. So our other um, question this week goes along with what we've been talking about was, do you think hunting is good slash necessary for concert? Jesus Christ, Goose, we're doing a podcast here. Man, hey, get you your shit good? together. So funny. I'm that start was rude. Yeah. Don't, talk, don't talk to Goose like that. <laughs> uh, it says, do you think hunting is good slash necessary for conservation? And almost all of the answers were, Yes. And, and everybody. And I love that. <laughs> and everybody with the understanding of that, a lot of them, and I think a lot of people don't get this, especially animal rights people. Look, there's a difference between animal lovers and animal rights people. Well, I animal mean, rights people are fucking nuts. Well, and it also has to do with like how you're raised. Well, but like, that's because I was raised with a hunter. But that's not even the, the big thing is a lot of the animal rights people don't realize that hunters and fishermen are the reason we have a lot of conservation. Oh, yeah. And like, cause my dad was a huge, huge believer in when it's not hunting season, you're doing whatever you can to put back into the community and you're doing whatever you can to help make that area stronger and healthier. And he also was one of those, like once his freezer was full, he was done. He didn't just hunt for the fun of it. He hunted to feed his, you know, six kids that he had at home. So, so. I will also say, and I think this is a falconry fact that not a lot of people know, and I sent you links about this yeah. too, is um, their peregrines were on like the edge of extinction oh, yeah. some years ago. And it was really falconers who put time and energy and effort into creating captive breeding programs, using falconry techniques for release. Um, so DDT was a huge reason why the population of peregrines plummeted and falconers are really to credit for the fact that we have the peregrine populations that we do now um and i think that you know personally like i was not a hunter i was not raised as a hunter my family does not hunt um i always kind of had an interest in hunting because i always had an interest in animals and i felt that the idea like I'm a person who very much believes that hunting is one of the most ethical ways to consume meat. Yeah. Um, I think that, you know, unfortunately, the way that meat is farmed and things like that just tends to be legitimate ethical issues at times. Um, so I think that if you can hunt, that's fantastic. And I've a big goal for me the past few years since I got into falconry was learning to gun hunt. But um, 
like I said, nothing goose catches goes to waste, right? Like it's all his food. I actually take the squirrel feet and the tails and like mummify them and give them away as gifts. Um, so he, you know, literally nothing goes to waste, but um, well, there was... it's, it's hugely important. We definitely, all of our hunting licenses and things like that, we put money back into our... We had one person who said uh, the thing was, Hunting for predators, no. For prey, probably. And omnivores, probably not. So that that's a weird way to look at it because I don't think they're looking at it um, biologically, like eco ecologically, right? Uh, if we have hunting limits on anything, anything we have hunting limits on, there's usually a study been done that tells you, look, this is the reason we can do it. Uh, Robert had talked in here about New Jersey at one point uh, getting rid of bear hunting because people didn't, can't kill bears, they're cute. And then they got overrun with bears. Yeah. And then they opened up bear hunting again and they killed a ton of bears and they still had way more bear. Like they're still having to deal with all these bear problems. So I think we can but also. I think, Go ahead. Like, oh, oh, no, I'm sorry. I think no. that a lot of. Um, so, like, you just got a comment about um, like hunting for sport. And I do see why people have ethical issues with sport hunting. But I will say this. But they do eat um, those. They're not. So I've done a lot of research. I have a friend, and I'm not going to name him because public forum, but I have a friend who is a big game hunter. He goes to Africa and, you know, he does elephant hunts and things like that. And um, I wasn't really sure some years ago how I felt about that because I kind of felt the same way that you feel. And I was like, you know, like, I don't really see the point in killing these, like, animals for a trophy. Like, I don't really get it. Um now that I'm a little bit like I've done a little bit more research and I now recognize that a huge reason why trophy hunting is important is because it really supports the local economy so yeah. that they continue conservation projects. And, you know, here's the big thing is we should support ethical hunting, which means science backed hunting um, things that are related to population numbers and, you know, have biologists looking at it being like, okay, yeah, like we can kill this many of this species. And then that money goes back into the communities. Um, so like lion hunts, I was actually reading cause I was trying to get prepared for this podcast and kind of what I wanted to say, anxiety issues, you know? <laughs> Um, and I was reading about lion hunting and how, like, after the, like, Cecil the Lion incident, everybody was like, what's banned lion hunting? We shouldn't have lion hunting. And they were talking about how when you kill, when you go to Africa and you kill a lion, the money that you pay to do that goes right back into the communities who were sometimes otherwise killing them um, because they were a danger we to villages you put an importance on them once you put an importance on something they to want the, to be protected yeah because again to a lot of this place especially the places that are are poor they don't have that same connection with wildlife that you do it's there but if they can kill it get food from it they kill it get food whatever <laughs> goose going crazy trying to go back in there but uh but once you t show them an importance that they can make money off other people coming there and doing they see the reason. And a lot of those, uh, I will say a lot of those big, uh, exotic hunts that they have when you go to Africa for game for sport, a lot of that meat goes to local tribes and local communities. Um, they may send back the mount for the person who shot it so they can put it on their wall here in America, 
but that meat tends to go to the local people there. So it actually feeds people there. It's not going to waste. It's definitely, yeah, there, there's definitely a lot of supportive aspects of hunting that I think, well, in trophy hunting specifically, that I think people don't think about. Like, you know, I think, do I personally think that I could go shoot an elephant? Probably not. I probably yeah. couldn't. No. I probably no. couldn't. But I am not going to knock somebody who enjoys hunting to that level and is willing to invest thousands. And I mean, literally, we're the friend of mine that hunts, we were just talking about this elephant hunt and he was like bidding on it. And he was like, yeah, the bid's at $20,000. That's a really good deal. Jesus. That's like a fucking car. And over there, that's a ton of money. Well, and I was like, uh, like $20,000 is more than I've ever seen in one place ever. So I was like, okay, like if I had $20,000, I don't know if that's what I would spend it on. Right. But, um, but like that's twenty thousand dollars, or at least part of twenty thousand dollars that goes to the. So, um, sorry, I'm reading the comments. I know. I, I want to say. I want to say, Laura. I I understand. She says if they're hunting them in the wild, where it's managed populations, that's one thing. And she says maybe not so much in stocked, but the stocked Texas populations. Sometimes we have a larger population of that antelope or whatever it is. In Texas, than they do there. Than they do in the wild. Um, and, and again, it's it's it is for sport, and it is a trophy, but it's but also it's getting eaten. eaten. Yeah, they're still eating. It's just like going hunting whitetail, which we have here, um, but they're hunting an antelope instead of drive instead of flying to Africa. They're hunting it here in in, in the states. I do think it's very funny. Well, not necessarily funny might not be the right word, but I've I've we've already, I obviously, have, we've already had this discussion. So through. Through talking, because a lot of falconers are also game hunters. Yeah. Um, and I I talk to them a, quite a bit about it because it's something that I'm really interested in doing in the future. And something I hear a lot is, man, I hate Texas deer hunting because people sit in front of feeders to shoot deer. So they habituate deer to coming to this feeder just so that they can harvest them later in the year. Yeah, it's done different in Texas than it was yeah. like where and I grew some up other in Alabama. States, yeah. yeah, a lot of states you can't you can't hunt over overfeed. Mm -mm. Yes, so like I, that's a huge like a lot of people have a big problem with that, especially people from other states. Um, and they're like, that's not that's not actual hunting. Um, and so I had this conversation with a friend a few weeks ago, and I was like, I get that it might not be like actual hunting, right? Like it's not really like fair game hunting. But um, it's management, it's, it's management and it's filling the freezer. Yes. And I would have a problem with it if it was we're going to habituate these deer, shoot them and then do nothing with them. Yeah. yeah or if numbers were going to decrease and we're going to be in trouble later down the but road. I still think that it's better. You're right. It's harvesting, not hunting. That's kind of pretty much what everybody has said to me. But, it, I, but we would agree it's better than raising cow and having to deal with the raising cows well, and all the stuff that goes with that. I actually think it's probably like farming like private farming on your own land like homesteading type and is probably not actually as bad as like factory farming yeah but harvesting is almost still more ethical than most other forms of cons meat consumption so i have a hard time having a problem with harvesting hunting as opposed to like going to the like it's just very interesting I to me how many people have a complete disconnect between how their food gets to their plate. Well, and I can understand someone having a problem with harvesting, but not a problem 
so much so they don't want it to exist. That's where I, right. I have. I, I if you don't want to do it, I see it. But the fact that people do it is not a negative. It's it's, it's actually a positive. And and really, in a lot of the the states here in the south, our white-tailed deer population is ridiculous. Um, we do, yeah. We're not shooting nearly enough of them, and and it's getting bad. I think I see a dead deer on the side of the road at least twice a week. Yeah. I mean, I, I, and like, so like pig hunting, since moving here, I haven't done it yet, but I want to go hunt pigs. Like, I do too. And no part of me feels bad about it because they don't belong here. I want to go, like, if you can do me one of those helicopter things with a semi automatic rifle and I just like mow them down, I'm all for it. I don't know if I want to get that crazy. Oh, I do. But I actually, I laugh all the time because I've got a bull terrier who I think would make the best boar dog. (laughs) He's like insane. And I'm like, the dog doesn't feel pain. Yeah. I'm like, she would be the perfect boar dog. If I ever find somebody who hunts pigs, I'm going to be like, listen, I've got a dog. You've got the gun in the property. Let's go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Let's take care of this problem. That's one thing. I'm, Robert, Robert's going to take me pig hunting at some point. I'm going to make him take me. I'm going pig hunting. <laughs> I, that's, um, like, that's definitely one of my goals. I'm hoping next year maybe I can get myself involved in like a duck hunt or something. We know um, people. Hey, Paul will take you. <laughs> I mean, Byfield will take you duck hunting. Paul who? Byfield. He was in here earlier. He was in the chat earlier. You know, he, he's at reptile shows. He's you'd notice him. He does him, ball pythons. Him. He does ball pythons. Okay, yeah, and see, like that's like the bad thing is like I'm really familiar with all the venomous people shows. It's kind of <laughs> we can get that's funny. We can get Paul to set you up for duck hunting. Hey, let's go. I'm not allowed to go hunting. I talk too much. I probably talk too much. So that's the fun part of squirrel hawking is you can literally run around the forest yelling and pulling on vines and half climbing trees and being obnoxious. And it's like the best. That's Katie's hunting right there. Yes. Mine too. All right. uh, We have come up on two hours. We need to do our giveaway. Yes. Um, I also wanted to just real quick, I want to look at some of the things over on our discussion page because there were some interesting things posted this week. And uh, let me pull those up real quick. There it is. Well, while he's pulling those up, guys, seriously, if you can make it to the squirrel meet or if you have any questions about falconry that I was not able to answer on here, please, please feel free to reach out to me anytime or to our, um, the Texas Hawking Association page. Um, There's also the North American Falconers Association. Darren, Darren, we will bring Hayden back for. We didn't talk any reptiles talk or leeches. About leeches. We did not talk about leeches. If you, if we come back, I will promise I will bring my live leech. Yes, yes. He's very. He's an old man. We will do leeches. I can't, I can't do it. That's y'all. that's it. Uh, some of the things that we had posted over on the uh, Facebook group it's this a week bathtub. is this giant turtle bathtub, which I is probably AI it's probably art, not real, but, but that's cool. You know, still be a cool I, bathtub. I kind of love it. Yeah, get you a big old sea turtle bathtub. Uh, oh, our our daughter did a, uh, a public cert. What was it called? It's STEM Fair Project. But it was a. But so they had three categories. They could choose an experiment, which we did last year. They could choose engineering. Thank God she didn't pick that. Oof, no. Or they could choose community advocacy. And so she chose to go the community advocacy route. And what they had to do was find a problem in their community and discuss how they could fix that problem. So she actually talked with our our friend Megan. Um, and she chose snakes in the community. And so her project was snakes matter. 
And That's she, really cool. she basically talked about why we need snakes in the wild and why you shouldn't kill them when you see them and why you should call people like Megan to relocate. And she handed out flyers for Megan's uh, services stuff. and her next upcoming things. And yeah. she talked to people about snakes. We should find out in the next week or two whether or not she gets invited to the, the district. district level again. Yeah. Um, last year, she actually got to go present at the district level from her school because she did so well at her school. I mean, I think that that's a really cool project. So, yeah. well, I'll say I this: she, she, um, she was in a room with all the other sixth, seventh, and eighth graders that are in this advanced science class, and they have to. Let me. They're let supposed me back to back up. Stay they're at their supposed to stay at their board, and they're supposed to talk to people when they come to their project. And she was one of maybe two dozen that actually did out of the 60 that were in the room. Yeah. She was never on her phone. Um, you know, she she talked to everyone that came up to her, which was yeah, and told and them I the was importance, very impressed with them the importance well of snakes and, and all that stuff. And it was great. Well, I have a friend who is getting his Ph.D. in herpetology at OSU and I am happy to put her in touch. I'm sure he would love to help too. I don't have much in the way of native snakes, but I do have a timber that he actually gave me. That's cool. From, ne- from Nebraska, and she's more than welcome to borrow it. <laughs> well, they won't let us That's do anything with a backbone. She can't have any. So she because I'd have brought some stuff. You can actually see like yeah, the crocheted is- snake on the table. Yeah. Um, and she, there were several beautiful. adults that were like, well, why didn't you bring anything? And she's like, because we're not allowed to work with anything that has a backbone. Cause like last year, she actually had someone that came up to her table this year and remembered her. And she did with isopods year. last year. Cause she was like, wait a minute, you're the girl that had the roly polies. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, that was me. Um, that's awesome. And Cause she had her colonies with her last year. So she had isopods, but yeah, it was, we're not the parents that do the projects for her. She 100% did it herself. Yeah. Um, I helped cool. put the board together yeah. and that's about it. Um, it's just cause she used our sticker machines to do it. So, so other things we had posted, Jason Miller, I've just shared this one. The headline is, uh, this woman doesn't want iguanas in her toilet. And he, he said, how lame is that? Uh, I'm all for if there be reptiles in my toilet. So yeah, like, that doesn't seem fab. People oh, always send oh, us stuff. This one. This is the one for, uh, oh, for no. true fact of the day. When falcon breeders want to breed falcons, they wear special falcon sex hats. The hat encourages actually, the falcon to shag the breeder's head and collect me, the falcon sperm, which can then thing? be artificially inseminated. It, it, so I, it is a thing. I don't know if it's still practiced now. Um, this was in the part where I have to tell you I don't really know that much about falcons. There is a huge separation between people who fly hawks and people who fly falcons. Gotcha. You mean y'all don't let birds fuck on your head? I mean, uh, I mean listen, if my, my bird not, starts doing that, he's definitely getting My bad, not fuck. Just she, jizz on your head is all they're doing. She's got a line that she won't cross. There That's are a few line. lines. I will we, talk about your feet like it's a fetish, <laughs> but I do not so, – Actually, we found where we're too weird for for falconry. For hawkers, just will not let their birds jizz on their head. Got it. Okay, falcon falconry guys, they're letting it jizz away. They got a special hat for that. Uh, this is if you're in Colorado, and our friend Miller Jacobson Milleradovich is. You just like Jason Milleradovich. There you go. Is it? This is a messed up thing. It's basically. They're going to put a tax or a a permit on if, if it passed. If, if this is what they're trying to on basically every reptile you own, every exotic and every fish, every bird. Not like oh, I've got a hundred. Here's one license. 
I yeah. have to hope that there's no way that passes. <clears throat> I hope not. We all have to hope there's no way it passes because this could very quickly become something in every state. It's it's ridiculous this whole thing. So if if you're if you go over to our uh, discussion page and read this and you start to read it and it just seems so outlandish, uh, but yeah, they said I... sum, summarizes if you have a hundred aquarium fish, you could pay up to eight hundred and fifty dollars annually just to keep the fish. Nope. So I love my beta fish, but um, I'm good. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, bum, 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 oh, that was a funny little cartoon. Uh, it was the, it was the it was guy. It was Medusa. Medusa. She says, my, like, eyes my eyes are up. are up here. And he goes, nope. nope. And he just keeps staring at her boobs. That's who I'm going as for Halloween. Thank you for your Fabulous. service. This was one that was crazy. Nathan, but I've heard these stories. Uh, this is an old picture of when they were collecting uh, chameleons in Florida. And then you see the bullet holes in their car that they got oh. shot at while they were trying to collect chameleons because some of those places are so protected because people have released those chameleons there on purpose so that they can collect them and sell them. Oh, yeah. And they will keep people can from they, collecting. Can Jeez. the audience see the face I'm making right now? No, not right now. Oh, thank God. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> It's probably just as bad but as those mine. those bullet holes, I, I've heard of horror stories of people trying to collect chameleons, just herpers trying to herp down there and, and being threatened. God. I still kind of low-key want to do it, though. Oh, this was funny. <laughs> this is a bull. It's like a bullfrog or something eating yeah. a bird, trying to eat a bird. It's uh, yeah, not yeah. really going that well for it. No, it's an yeah. egret. You can see it like an egret in its, in its mouth. That bullfrog. Yeah. Bull, frogs will just try to eat pretty much anything. I was just talking about how frogs. There's this species of frog. I shared the meme in like one of the reptile groups I admin for. And it was about how like this some certain species of frog will have sex with anything. Yeah. And I was nice. like. And I was like, man, frogs, they just got here having sex and eating. And I can appreciate that. <laughs> frogs, like, uh, what a vibe. Travis posted this. I haven't listened to episode 150 about stegosaurus on the Common Descent podcast. So if you want to listen about stegosaurs, that'd be a great one. Uh, Madagascar, I didn't, I didn't read this article, but it says Madagascar giant tortoises have returned 600 years after they were wiped out. That's exciting. Um, so I'm assuming. I haven't read that yet. I assume, I assume that's Aldabras. I assume that is them bringing them from because those islands aren't far from Madagascar. This has all been posted since we've been down with the flu and I've done nothing. Yeah. So. Uh, this is a, a fucking toad eating a rattlesnake. That's awesome. Get it, bud. That is a, di- like a, Western, a regular old toad. That's a what? A regular? Well, I'm regular toad. It's like the toads we have in our yard. But it's that's a what? Like a young Western diamondback in its mouth. That's insane. That is toads and frogs. My dad posted this. He he told me what happened. So it's Alice Cooper telling a story about back in the day doing a concert, and uh, he's got a, there's a whole bunch of famous rock stars off stage like laughing at him. He's trying to figure out what's going on, and he's doing the concert, and then he looks, and the boa that he's holding shit all over him on stage and he talks about how horrible that smell is and i'm like oh yeah that just shits on yeah so so i took my mom hunting the other day with goose and she was helping me get his telemetry on because my hands were cold and she he totally shit all over her and i was like (laughs) my bad sorry um oh we need to do our giveaway I do our giveaway. So for our blanket, not everybody can see it. We talked about it before. I posted a picture. It's a Katie made a blanket. It's flannel. The video really is. Just it's horrible. it's it's not great, but it is a. Uh, it's like flannel on one side, and then it is cool snake print on the other side. It's made out of fleece. Made out of fleece. It's a plaid pattern and a snake pattern. That's what I said. God bless Listen. it. I was in the same. It's flannel and fleece are not even the fleece, same material. Flannel, James. Shit, whatever. 
All right. So the winner is. It's a snuggly blanket to read with Rumble. Darren. Oh, we, we know the winner, actually. Do you really? It's number four. Do you want to read it? Oh, it's Tracy Renee. My friend Tracy Yay! Renee. She's going to be from so the Herp- excited. And she's small enough. This will be like That's a king size blanket on her. blanket for her. <laughs> I love it. So the next reptile show, we'll see. But I'll message Tracy. Yeah. Hey, Tracy, I'm good luck. That's so – she's going to be excited. So that was our giveaway. That for- was really my thing is I wanted it to go to somebody that was going to appreciate it. She'll appreciate it. I think anybody who's ever had to tie one of those blankets would appreciate it. <laughs> so that was actually like the fourth one I did that weekend because I'm, oh I'm going through some project boxes and getting rid of like projects and like I've bought stuff to make stuff, but then I never actually made it. So I'm working through my, my boxes. And by the time I finished that one, my hands oh. were cramping and I was like, I know what, I can't, I got to be done. I know what we didn't mention the, what used to be the Arlington NARBC. So anybody that's gone to that uh, Arlington last year, the, the hotel and convention center that it was at, has changed what it's doing and it's becoming something else. And so they could no longer have it at that convention center anymore. And so they had to find a place. They found a place in Dallas. The problem with Dallas is you can't sell certain reptiles in Dallas. And so <laughs> I don't well, know. Well, don't how- feel bad. You also can't have a hawk in Dallas apparently. Well, fuck Dallas. And um, I was literally in a group chat when I saw that post and I was like cackling. I was like, I wonder if they arrest all of the migratory birds. Like that live there. Joke. So, what's going to happen and what they post today, and it's going to change how that show is, and I guess who really wants to go to it and who wants to vend it. As far as pythons go, here's what you can sell ball pythons. That's it. No other python species can be sold. And you may be going, oh, yeah, that's fine. Retics, berms. Yeah, but you can't sell children's pythons or carpet pythons or any of those. Now, here it gets even dumber. As far as boas go, Boa constrictors. That's it. You can't sell sand boas or rosy boas, but you can sell a 10-foot boa constrictor. Rosy boas are little piranhas. I can't even blame them there. But you can't even sell a sand boa, a little two-foot sand boa, but you can sell a 10-foot boa constrictor. No other boas are allowed there at all. Well, it's okay, because if you continue to read the list, you also can't sell racers. Nope. Or water snakes. Nope. Well, fuck that. Those smell bad. I'm not selling them anyway. <laughs> I like water snakes. Be nice. I, look, I like broadbands. I think they're beautiful, but they smell like, bad. And I don't, I don't go to those bad. shows a lot of the times to buy stuff. Yeah, but if you're going as a as a, an I event, because it's supposed to be an event type show. Well, and that's just it. Is I go to shows like that to see stuff I'm not going to get to see. Now, I agree. They and did say, I think they did say you could display stuff. But what's the But point? who's going? Yeah, like. Like if you're going to that show, you're going to turn a profit. So at that so point, friend, are you just going like, to take pictures with stuff I and charge friend, people like, for that? For me, so, you know, we have such a good show here with Conroe. And a majority, so like this year, I have a pair of vipers that I'm hoping to breed, beaded lizards and African fat geckos. And, I mean, obviously, fingers crossed, I don't have eggs from anything yet. But it doesn't make sense for me to drive four hours to a show where I can't sell anything that I have. Yeah. Um. And then I also can't see, see anything. anything. I say, see anything you want. I mean, you can. You can see crested geckos and ball pythons and corn snakes. I said things that I want. But but that's what they'll have there. You're going to have to want those because that's what they have. I do think it's a cool show. I think it's unfortunate, though, that they it weren't is. able to find another location. They're going to have to get um, out of Dallas. They're going to have to get out of Dallas. Somebody told me that we had, had an NARBC in Houston at one point in time. I believe they there was. It, but the problem is Houston also has year. Houston also has laws, and certain shows that have come through there recently have ignored those laws. 
but you're not supposed to be able to sell constrictors over eight foot. Well, so like that's why I'm confused is why not just move the show to like central Texas or something and find a venue, like broaden the perimeter of where you're planning to have your show. The problem is that show is, is a destination show, not as much as Tenley, but being in a big city like Arlington, Dallas makes it more of a destination. Austin and San Antonio. That is true. They could, they could go to Austin because we've done the Austin show with Herps and someone mentioned that actually, and you can have hots at that show too. So, I mean, well, I'm just, I just think like there's a lot of area in Texas that has nice, like places to stay and places yes. to eat. And like, you could make a destination show in central Texas just well, as easy as you could. And make some people I, I enjoyed, some people were talking and I commented because some were like, well, you should just have the show in Ohio. And I was like, that makes no sense. It's a Texas show. Why would they move that NARBC show to close to the other NARBC show yeah. that's two mm-hmm. states away? And I looked at the distance, the farthest you could have to drive from Ohio to NARBC and Tenley is like seven hours. It takes you more than 12 hours to get across Texas, just Texas, the state. I think given our reptile laws and how many keepers we have here, Texas is always going to make sense for a show. Yeah. That's just, I. It's just the big I cities love- here are weird. San Antonio has some laws. Houston has laws. Obviously, Dallas has some laws. So you do have to get that perfect spot. Which we can Austin. touch on this if we have a part two, but I'm actually kind of genuinely concerned for the Texas hobby in terms of venomous keeping right now with some of the um, stunts that we have people pulling and all of these like poorly. Well, we'll touch on it over part two, but we will have Hayden back on and we'll talk leeches and hot snakes. And yeah, the sexy, the sexiest snake. (laughs) Hot, sexy snake. Wait, that's not what we're talking about. Hot, sexy snakes. We'll get Chris Dieter on here and he can talk about it. I was about, about to say, Chris Dieter, are you there still? Is <laughs> oh. there a dragon? All right. Uh, Hayden, thanks for being on here. Of course. Thank you for having me. And like I said, find me on Instagram or Facebook. I'm happy to talk to any of you. Yeah, on so. Instagram, she is... Something to hawk about. Something to hawk about. So, That's good. Um, hang Tracy out. is pumped that she got the blanket. Hang out for a second, Hayden. Let us close out real quick. Uh yeah. Don't forget to check out Herb's Reptile Shows. We'll see you at one hopefully nearby soon. Uh, VivTech products, code GUMBO22 to save you 15% on all your VivTech purchases. Also check out our friends over at uh, Lil's Shop of Horrors in San Antonio for all your feeder needs. Uh, anything else, Katie? I think that's it. We will be back next week. Um, ba, 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 ba. I think that's it. I think that's all I got. Yeah. Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening. And yeah. see you all next week. Good night. Yeah.